Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, June 5th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. It's been a minute. It's been a lot going on. We had a fantastic event, Rebels for Cause, which by the way, again, there's just so it's very clear all the credit for that amazing event should go to Courtney Turner and Scott Armstrong for the for, you know, even though he kind of stepped out toward the end it was a really great event because a lot of people seem to think that that's like a T-Lab event. And that's I'm, I was happy to be there. It was an amazing event. It was a really I really, really enjoyed speaking with a lot of people there. But you guys have no idea the work that Courtney Turner and, and Houston, her partner, went through with the work they put in to make this thing happen. And, and apparently now it's going to be coming uh, a kind of a, a tour. Uh, they, I guess they're, she's saying that it's going to be a yearly thing, but also they're about to go on tour to Florida and somewhere else. So that'll be happening as well, but a really great event made some, met some really great people, but ultimately it's been a minute since I've had the show and that's the point. So I'm looking, glad to be back. I missed you guys a lot to get into. And, you know, of course <laughs> there's a million things that I pushed off probably till tomorrow. I had a great interview today with Scott C. Smith. We finally caught up today. It was a really important, really powerful interview. And that'll be putting that out tomorrow. First thing as well as a couple of articles, I believe. But uh, today we're going to focus specifically on, well, there's a lot, I actually included a lot of little interesting things in between, but we're going to start with the RFK conversation because I was going to be speaking with Pasta, you know, Pasta, you know, Craig from, uh, we were in, he was in Franklin. So we were going to connect in my, in my office and, and do this conversation about the question he asked RFK Jr. And I pushed it off. Basically two days in a row, we had to push it down because of timing and all this different stuff. And we really wanted to make it happen, but we're, we're going to connect as soon as he gets back home. I'll probably do that in the next couple of days. Nonetheless, I wanted to get into that point today since I kept talking about it, assuming we were going to connect. And, and, and it's, a, I think it's a really important question. And I do want to make a couple of points on this to show, you know, cause it's not, people may perceive this kind of discussion as sort of like going after RFK Jr., which is interesting to me. Cause that's really not at all what I'm doing. And I'll make these points when we get there about the, the same kind of point I made about Tulsi Gabbard, about he's a pretty solid candidate outside of the things that I think are, in, you know, concerning. And that's not even to say that I necessarily think that this is going to be any different. Cause that's my ultimate point here is that there's it, politics being played. Very clearly. Now, you may think this is, you know, I'll get into it when we get there. My point I was going to say is that you may think that that's necessary. Maybe that's right. Maybe I'm wrong. It is necessary. But either way, I can't get on board with that. And you guys know this about my perspective of the way this works, the two-party illusion, and how, you know, compromise is a very dirty word when it comes to political, the way this works. But we'll get into that when we start today and how important the question was about Israel and a couple of other things that have come out since then. But we're going to get into the meat of the topic today, or actually earlier on, we're going to talk about the transgender conversation again. Some important things that I wanted to include. Uh, Josh Wilkos reached out today and actually shared something with me that's really important. It's just really unnerving. And I, I'm really more and more clearly seeing this. And it's the same stance I've been taking in regard to, you know, individuals who bottom line is you can't whitewash this conversation and say any trans person is X, Y and Z. Any gay person is X, Y, and Z. It's just not that simple. I made my opinion very clear many times on this show that there's plenty of people that are in this community that are trans that think this is all crazy. And, you know, the bottom line is I also have my opinions on what this is from a religious standpoint, from a personal standpoint, but that has no bearing on what individuals can do with their own bodies. But the more I focus on this topic, the more clearly I see two things that it is very clearly not from the individual trans perspective, but from the, the psyop, the movement perspective, 
focused on children in a very, very specific way. And it's it's concerning. Now, even that people may not they may attack that for saying that's bigoted. Why? Why don't you want children to see people in the pride movement or whatever? That's, but that's also not the point, because what I the clear point that I keep seeing on top of the, the focused on children. Is that we're not talking about identity politics here. We're talking about sexual identity politics. It's a very big difference. And the point is that all of the conversations we're having, and I'll go through it again, at the core of all of it is sexuality. And again, you may be thinking, well, why is that a problem? Because you're talking to children that are prepubescent. And you do not, as much as you may actually have sexual feelings that you don't understand, the point is that you don't understand. And you're focusing on children that don't understand the sexuality and telling them you can make choices about your sexuality today. And then people may still think that's not bad, except when you realize that puberty blockers, the very first step that they say is okay, and we're getting into that particularly, is dangerous and it lacks any long-term studies. Apparently, they don't care about that. We have a few other important things we're going to get into off the bat that I think are just important to knock out. And the, the second half of the show today is going to be focused on just the unbelievable reality that these COVID jabs are deadly, continuing to kill people, continuing to hurt people, continue to maim people. That's not the crazy part. The crazy part is that that continues to be debated. I just can't even believe that same thing with the East Palestine conversation. It'll blow your mind to hear this tomorrow. I mean, you probably know most of it already from watching this show, but it's kind of incredible that it's so very clear, not just because of opinion, because of the facts on the ground, because of the peer-reviewed science, because of the independent research. And yet they just go, no, <laughs> that's fake news. And people choose to follow that. It's mind-blowing to me. But we're going to go through a lot of a lot more science and a lot more information regarding the true risk involved with these injections. Most of you probably already know this, but the immune system collapse and all the different things that are new studies are continuing to show. And not only are they not stopping, they're rolling this right back into new injections. And we'll barely touch on that to end today. But I will be getting to that new shot in one of the next couple of shows. Really do a deep dive on this new Sky. What was it called? Sky. I'll get to it in a second. The new shot that'll be coming out that's just a, an adaptation and taking more steps in the direction of nanoparticles and AI machine learning for the injections. It, it's, it's really alarming. But as I said, let's start out today with the conversation of RFK Jr. Now, Pasta put this out. We'll play this verse. And I just said, he's out here asking the tough questions. The answer is important. And I, then I said, we'll be talking about this, which we didn't get to. We will, though. Now, good, you know, shout out to Pasta in general. You know, he's one of the very few people in this room with, with one of the leading presidential candidates in the country. Right? That, that deserves respect in and of itself, regardless of, you know, I mean, you know Pasta's opinion. He, he doesn't, he sees through a lot of this nonsense. We disagree on some things and voting and different things, but ultimately he, the reason he asked this question is because he knows that there's something important there that nobody else is asking. Now, why is that? Now, one of the things that bothers me about this is he asked an important question. It's obviously important. I mean, not only is it important, it is a, it's a question that you can almost, you at least at one point would have expected any presidential candidate to be asked. It's been a long time since any corporate media channel asked anything about Israel, Palestine. You know why? Because it's a foregone conclusion. They won't be running for president if they don't support Israel. Now that you can let that mean whatever you think it means. The reality is that's a simple fact. Every single presidential candidate goes up and says, I stand for Israel. I support Israel. And it's it's very clear. You know, the open apartheid 
fascist authoritarian state that all of the independent or just human rights organizations, Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, Beth Selim, every single one of them call it that. And yet we don't, we, I stand with Israel no matter what. It doesn't make any sense. The illegal occupation of Palestine. No one disputes that. They just don't care. The UN always maintains an illegal occupation. Geneva Conventions argue that they have a right to armed rebellion. Not argue, state. Because it's an illegal occupation. So I don't know how far we continue to get away from this. Then we just, the argument, and I'll let you listen to it, is that, well, you know, I stand for Israel. It doesn't even mention Palestine. Now that bothers me. But that's a different thing. The point is that when he asked this question, you can see Dennis back there give him daggers in with his eyes. Now, my, my thought would be, and now it's my opinion, obviously, my thought would be, though, if, if all they want was softball questions, this isn't real. Now, again, my point ultimately is that I may, you know, maybe you think I'm wrong about that. Maybe RFK knows how to play the game and he knows what to say just to make sure he gets in that position and then everything will change. Well, I would love to believe that, and I'll hope that's the case. But I don't know why, regardless of how great he seems on the outside to a lot of people, including myself in a lot of ways, would we buy that again? Over all this time, after all the different times this has come, Trump and every Obama's going to change the world. Oh, and it wasn't, it didn't have, okay, well, why? Because the other side or whatever, because of a narrative. Well, it doesn't really matter when ultimately we can see that there's a, it's the system itself that stops anything. So why would we think that that same system and the same people pulling those strings would allow this to happen? Would allow this person? Now, maybe something's different. I don't have all the answers. And I am hoping that I'm wrong. Because as I said before, like Tulsi Gabbard, I said the same thing about her. She's a pretty solid candidate. Out of everybody we see, out of everybody running for president right now, if I were going to vote, if I believed like some adult Santa Claus narrative that this was going to translate to somebody being elected. I blows my mind that we think that still, well, actually the truth is, as we were talking about at the rally, apparently new, most polls are showing that over 70% of Americans believe our elections are crap, are illegitimate, worse than third world countries. And you know what? I think it's true. Pasta will tell you that every single day. Either way, all that aside, I don't know why we continue to, to expect that something's going to be different. If I were going to vote, and believed in that concept, I would probably vote for RFK Jr. That's not to say that I would want to do that because I still acknowledge all these problems and I would rather vote for somebody who is out there, by the way, who would even probably run for president if they thought they had a chance that would say all of the things that I would say most of Americans want to hear. But that never happens because they're not allowed on that stage. Okay, enough preamble. Let's listen to this short question. And there's another part after we'll get into. Now, the real, it's a short video, but this I wanted to use this point to make all of this com to make all of these points. The reality that there's concern for me, despite how great he is on medical freedom, how great he is on a lot of things that you'll never hear anybody talk about. I still have doubts, as we should. And shouldn't that, as I said before, be what he wants from us? Shouldn't they want us to be critical if they are indeed genuine, which, you know, I, mean, I may believe he is. So wouldn't you welcome that? So look at this response. I find this interesting. Mr. Cammy, um, a lot of people are confused about the tweet storm. I call it the tweet heard around the world. A couple of tweets were put up in support of Roger Waters and then taken down. Do you want to give us a little explanation of why they were taken down and also your stance on Israel and Palestine? Uh, I, I, I tweeted that. Uh, I made the tweet applauding Roger Waters. 
courage in opposing the COVID mandates and the, um, and the Ukraine war. I did not, I was unaware of his position on Israel. And when I learned that, I, I immediately took it down. My position of Israel is that I support Israel. I support, my family has a long relationship with Israel. I support its right to exist and its right to protect its security. And the Palestinians? And, and a, a humane outcome and a recognition ultimately of the aspirations of the Palestinian people is important for everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That doesn't do it for me, man. I'll tell you right now, especially since the question was, what will you do about the Israeli and Palestinians? And he says, I support Israel. And then until he was probed, didn't even mention the Palestinians. That says a lot. And the clip I'll show you after this makes it even more clear. But what's concerning to me, not only do they really not like that, and he said the same thing, his own perspective, pasta from being there was what they were unhappy about that, which says a lot, doesn't it? By the way, somebody's comments in the chat, I agree with. Think about how absurd it is that what where are we 2023 and, and we're we're already we're seeing presidential like ask yourself whether biden is focusing on well if he was even able to tie his own shoes both pretending he was coherent if he was would is he would he be focusing on you right now and what you need for the country or would he be focusing and marshalling all of his resources to win the next election you know the answer to that and it's not just by it's every single president before they all do it year two years in they then begin running for the next president. Okay, two years. We all know that. We've always seen it. And that means that at least part of their or most of their attention is not even going to what their job is. It's, it's absurd, guys, because all this is is a hamster wheel of politics. It's all it is. We need to get out of it. We're fighting for it every damn day. But the Roger Waters thing, in case you forgot, is insulting. Because, I mean, look, my opinion, I don't know RFK's mind. But do you, not, do you not think that he probably already knew Roger Waters' stance, somebody he's well aware of, somebody we're all well aware of, very famous, very famous for his stance on Israel. It's been all over the news that RFK is aggressively involved in. So I find it really hard to believe that he didn't already know Roger Waters' stance. My opinion is that he got pushed by somebody who either said, you should take it down because that makes you look bad, which I don't think it's that. My gut would tell me it's because if you want to get elected, you can't do that. And whether that's real or not, or true or not, I mean, he decided to pull it. Now, again, you may argue, yeah, because he understands how the game is played. Well, that's my whole point, though. The game is the problem, guys. Now, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Maybe he'll get elected because he knows how to play the game, and everything will go the way he wants it to after that, and he'll come out and say, no, I stand with Palestinian, or maybe not. But either way, the point is that it's a compromising. So if you're going to play politics, that means the truth is secondary as we saw with Roger Waters' tweet or his tweet about Roger Waters being deleted. He stood by that. He said it. He meant it, but he deleted it because politics was more important in that moment than the truth. Well, that may seem minor to you. It's not to me. That's everything to me. It's a problem. Now, especially since I'm very passionate about the Palestinian plight, the conversation, the illegal occupation of the country that we've been lied to about aggressively, that literally every single leader in this country aggressively stands for Israel. It doesn't make much sense until you realize that there's a problem there. There is an undue influence from the Zionist agenda on this country. That's why at any given moment, seemingly half the policy, half the legislation going one way or the other seems to involve Israel. How does that make sense? As, is, as Whitney has talked about as her recent article, Carbine 911, the influence of these different Unit 8200, basically their intelligence, or not basically their intelligence, like the CIA version of the Israeli government creating these different intelligence and technology cutouts. 
that openly espouse the idea that what they're doing secondarily or more accurately when you hear them speak elsewhere first is pushing the benefit or the interest of the Israeli government. While that is then being put in places like in Carbon 911 to control and relay your 911 emergency calls in this country. That's not a joke, guys. Think about how concerning that is. If that was Russia controlling your 911 calls, would that make you feel any better or worse? Why does it make a difference to you? This illusion we have that somehow they're on your side, it's just, it's childish, guys. Somebody's mentioning Nikki Haley in the chat. Can't just wait. When we do foreign policy in the next couple of shows, I've got a lot to say about her and her. She's pathetic. The way that she is tapping into some like 1999 neocon stance. <laughs> it's just pathetic. So, you know, when they invaded Ukraine, they they invaded, they they stood up for their freedoms. And it was just so dumb. The, her even her terminology is like right out of some old neocon book. No one's gonna buy it, guys. Anyway, I'll come back to that later. So let's get into the next clip for. RFK Jr. Now, the next day, there's a clip of him standing next to a rabbi in a, some kind of a rally. And what he says is important. Now, of course, people will who make this out to be somehow that I've got an issue, even just with this first part. Somehow it's about Jewish people. No, not even remotely. As I've aggressively made clear over the years, that's that's not at all how I feel. I actually openly point out plenty of the Jewish communities in Israel that will tell you the Zionist agenda is attacking them and the idf is attacking them for their calling out the zionist re so clearly it's not about them protecting jewish people when the jewish people that speak out against them get attacked and i've repeatedly shown that or the different jewish orthodox groups in israel that speak up and say you guys are using our our religion for your own political purposes and they get beat in the street or happening in the united states where they say that zionism is not judaism all these things matter except when you say it you're somehow racist while defending the jewish people against the zionist regime because that makes sense right the point, though, is that in this next clip, it's RFK Jr. speaking. And what he says is a little bit further than I stand with Israel. Listen for yourself. No, no, no. One, two, three. I want to thank our dear friend Bobby Kennedy, phenomenal friend of Israel and the Jewish community, for joining us to celebrate Israel Parade on Israel's 75th birthday. Bobby, this crowd loves you. God bless Israel. I'm going to be a champion for Israel as president. God bless America. And, and did you see how much they have, the love they've shown you, your family's legacy, your family's contribution to America, and the friendship between Israel and the United States. And God bless you, Bobby. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bobby. So in case you couldn't hear it, it, it it's, it's, his voice was a little low on there. He says, I will be a champion for Israel. That's a lot different than I stand with Israel. That's a lot different than that means I'm going to fight for Israel's interests. That's what that means. Now, again, maybe he's just saying that. Maybe he's just doing this to get elected. That's completely up to you to decide. But I don't see him marching with Palestinian parades. I don't say, well, I mean, it's very clear. He doesn't, that's not what he stands with. Now, I find that to be a morally compromising stance. The world at this point finds that to be a morally compromising stance. That's not my opinion. It's very clear where the momentum is going. 30 seconds ago, it was Palestine's never existed. They're all terrorists. And people actually swallowed that. Not the case today. The Overton window on this situation has been shattered. This is the most openly fascist government in existence. Well, I guess you could argue that there's other governments that just don't call themselves that. Maybe like the United States government or the German government or the UK government. The point is that they are openly fascist and their own people are saying this. Their human rights groups are calling them this. They openly espouse the idea that there will never be a two-state solution, that the Palestinians shouldn't exist. They literally, one of these open extremists writing for the times of israel just wrote an entire article saying the entirety of palestine and everyone in it should be obliterated 
It's the only way to move forward. And then, of course, they deleted it because obvious reasons. Saying the quiet part out loud, right? You know, the, the extremist kind of elimination concept, right? Because that's only supposed to be a one-way concept. They're not supposed Obviously, you can see it. The world can see it. So I have a problem with that. But overall, I think it's important for people to come to their own conclusions about this. Because, you know, I don't know. I don't know his inside of his mind, and I've never claimed to. I hope I'm wrong because I will stand up if I, if I just like I said with Trump, why would anybody hope the opposite? That's just hate. That's just negativity. If RFK wins and comes steps in and changes the world for the better and makes everything great and fights for all the freedoms. Well, who wouldn't want that? People that are petty, right? I would support Trump in a second if he actually followed through with everything he said he was going to do. And no, it wasn't just the Democrats who stopped him. That same thing I said about Obama. The Republicans wouldn't let him. No, you guys are falling for the two party illusion. Hopefully you guys can see that by now if you're watching this show. But going forward, a uh, Sam Husseini put out a great post about, about this topic in general, saying the silencing of, silencing of Kennedy's most notable critic, Jared Beck, who sued the DNC in 2016, which you, you should remember, landmark lawsuit, the DNC won legally. It can pick whoever it wants as its nominee. Remember that conversation, the smoke-filled room that they can send back and pick? Because we, you know, you guys put your 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 votes in and they can choose to or not to use them because you know democracy now of course we pretend that's just the primaries but you know i'll let you guys reminisce you know reminisce on that but the point is that this person has been calling out rfk and and a lot of these kind of these people for a while he just got banned by twitter now his point we don't i i don't know i'm not going to say i know this is because of his criticism of rfk jr but it's interesting as we just saw RFK Jr. doing a spaces with Elon Musk, which is another red flag for me with all of the stuff we know, who talks about having been silenced with other critics of establishment during the pandemic, something he, I, he Sam Hussein, he objected to in 2021, if not earlier, has effectively used Twitter to get audiences larger than many cable TV shows. The bottom line, just the interest of time, is that this person has been aggressively critical, if not potentially one of the most, the most outspoken critics of RFK Jr. And he just got censored. Latest series of pieces he's done on Kennedy and his presidential run, right? The latest was dueling and law, the, the whole point we're talking about now. And he got censored. Maybe for that. Hard to know. Interesting. Feels very concerning when you're starting to see the same kind of look, despite of what's being stated out loud. Now, that moving on, these are some opening points that I wanted to point out that I thought were interesting before we get to the this transgender conversation. This all just speaks to the ridiculousness of the corporate mainstream circles and conversations. Think about how ridiculous this is. And that's kind of the next series of points is how absurd they are in general and what they believe you're stupid enough to buy. This is from the AP Associated Press. Slow start to New York's legal pot market leaves farmers holding the bag. So first off, before we get into the conversation of what this is, here's the Associated Press. Last season's plant stocks are seen as his marijuana planting field and there's New York farmers growing marijuana. Okay, anybody smart enough to realize this has not a picture of marijuana? Apparently not the Associated Press. Apparently not anybody involved while they're speaking to people at a par. Now, even potentially if it was ruderalis, which a lot of people don't even know is actually a third strain. Sativa, indica, and ruderalis. It's, a, it's really a third strain. It's a very sparse kind of thin plant. It doesn't get used as much. Uh, species i should say of or genus of cannabis but either way that's not what that is like i would say that's hops maybe or i don't even know 
Like they, they, it's just hilarious to me that they would put this out and you can look through. There's a lot of these pictures at this farm and every one of them says the marijuana farm. Like, I think these are, these journalists are either this uninformed about the topic that they, just because he was standing by this, they think maybe that's the marijuana. I guess I don't know. Or maybe they want you to think that because they don't want you to know what it looks. I don't know that that is. And just in case you're, that's not what this is right here. That's not those hundred percent. You can see little white buds in the top flowers. That's not, that's not cannabis hundred percent. I find that funny. Now that that's what it would look like. That's one of the leaves. In any case, the story is about how in the legal market, you know, except for the fact that the U.S. government still argues it's worse than every other drug on the planet. Did you not know that? That's real. That's a real story right now. Real reality. That's a reality of today. The federal government still has cannabis listed as a schedule one drug. Alongside the worst drugs. Do you realize that cocaine is Schedule 2? And that means it has zero medical purposes in Schedule 1. Zero. And is highly addictive. Both of those things are catastrophically false. Proven with peer-reviewed science over and over to be not true. And I've gone over this so many times. But the point is, say, slow start to their legal pot market. What? How, is the, how do those two things even exist in the same conversation? Because we live in a broken government society country the reality that these people have so much power that they can literally have two conflicting concepts at high level con- like like telling you or any, any all of these conversations oh no you're not sick in east palestine you're just anxious while every independent expert tells them that they have high levels of chemicals in their body no but you're wrong though because we said so no 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 those injections aren't killing everybody you're wrong because i said so it's just crazy they have Either they have more power than we realize or they're more desperate than ever. I think it's the latter, quite honest. And we're seeing it more than ever. We are pointing these things out. But it's kind of interesting, isn't it? That now, because they don't have enough, like, dispensaries, that they're not able to sell this stuff. You know why? Because the market is stifled by the control of the federal government. But either way, that's my opinion, but part of it for sure, I don't really know what it leads to. I honestly think it's about more controlling the market. But here's where it comes to the next part. This is what I think is happening. Is they're desperate to try to control this and get ahead of the, like, they're long behind, obviously, because their Marinol garbage failed and hurt people, which is what actually happened. It caused all sorts of horrendous side effects. And all these different pills they tried to like, synthetically take just the THC out and reproduce it so they could sell it to you. Instead of growing it in your backyard, right? The point is these things are dangerous. And they always have been. And even if they make one that doesn't hurt people, the point is that you're taking one small piece of something that naturally grown is so powerful. I mean, again, for people that just are so quick to push back on the Alex Burns, and I was not pointing out, the point is that it's obvious and you can see that even corporate media did focuses on this a while back. I've talked about the, the entourage effect which is a very scientifically proven concept that when cannabis taken in its pure form, all thing, all the different things that come along with it, which is not actually that many chemicals, you'd be surprised. Coffee and different things have more chemicals than a cannabis plant. But the point is that they, when taken, when taken together, and that doesn't mean smoking it, grind it up, put it in a milkshake or a shake of some kind. It causes an effect on your body that, that rapidly inc- improves your body's ability to help improve itself, to heal itself. I wonder why they don't want us using that. What do you think? Or the fact that it can make better products on like every possible thing you could think of, textiles and medicines and, you know, but but it's dangerous though. 
either way, new drug based on FDA approved synthetic THC. So they are proved and synthetic THC, but they're still saying this plant is super dangerous. They show promise in treating agitation in Alzheimer's. My God, it's just it's just insulting to your intelligence, guys. They are driving us in a world where they're it's just all a bunch of synthetics, oil based petroleums and and surgical surgical operations. I mean, this it's it's a alarming step when we should be going the other direction, not this fake image, but the natural direction, because in my opinion, it's always better, at least with what we're staring at today. Now, on a similar note of the artificial and the things that they're creating under the guise of helping is actually dramatically hurting. And that's always how this seems to be. Denny Rancourt again, points out something that we've talked about before. He says more proof. If you need it, that gluten diseases, very interesting are a actual toxicity found or excuse me, from the food industry, poison glyphosate. Wheat uses far more than other, most other crops. The point is that they are drenching this stuff in glyphosate. It's one of the largest crops around the country for the most part. And they are drenching this stuff in glyphosate or specifically Roundup. And the, the, the scientific research is proving that this is, in fact, causing exactly what you think it is. All sorts of problems with your body. And it's not just these gluten diseases, but that's what this is focusing on. So all these things we're blaming on the fact that, oh, you just have a gluten sensitivity. No, you've got a glyphosate poisoning problem. That's what we're really talking about. And don't forget... Danny Rancourt and Stephanie Seneff and myself had a great roundtable discussion about exactly, rather, Stephanie Seneff's PhD's excellent research on, on her, her stance that glyphosate is working to basically prime your body for a worse reaction with what this is. Now, whether that was planned or it's just a, just a byproduct of their lack of concern for your health while they scream about your health, it's up for you to decide. But either way, these things are hurting you. And not only that, they're coming together to hurt you in different ways even more. Interesting, by the way, that's exactly what we got into with Scott C. Smith today. The idea that the real point here is not just the dioxins, which are dangerous, or the vinyl chloride, which is dangerous, but the fact that when these all when these things are coming together, it's causing something much worse that they don't even want to look at. And that's what's happening. Quick side note, he's getting sick going there like recently. Four months now, and he's there to test one day, has to leave because his throat's hurting and there's problems. Everyone in town is dealing with this, but they're all just stressed out, according to Norfolk Southern, who is now trying to deny all of their lawsuits because they said they were going to help everybody, right? I'll play it tomorrow. It's coming. On to another point that I think is really interesting. I posted this the other day. CBS News put this out. Jeffrey Epstein sent letter to Larry Nassar from prison before suicide. Actually, I should grab this uh, Nassar I put we I did a lot of coverage on this guy long before he was arrested, by the way, about the reality of the situation and after. So you guys can see it. He was the high level gymnast or uh, excuse me, a, a, like a, a physical trainer for gymnasts. Huh. There it is. I'll just grab the one. And you guys can. Oh, here's a couple of them. Yeah, man, there's a bunch. I forgot about this. Oh, that was rough. This one was harsh, man. This is of this one you can see father, father of three sexually assaulted daughters by the same guy was had to be restrained in court after after charging at Nassar sitting on the on the stand. It's terrible. But anyway, the point. This was a a, a gymnast, uh, physical th therapist who molested a bunch of children and the FBI knew about it. 
They let this go on for years while this was happening under the argument they were trying to, you know, get more information while letting children suffer. Yeah, typical FBI. Now, the point they put out this post saying that Epstein had sent a email to Nassar before his <laughs> Epstein did not did not kill himself situation. Now, all I said on this was interesting. I just said, if this shows us one thing, it's that there is a community of sexual predators. That one is allowed and that that one that is allowed and obfuscated by people at the highest levels of power, many of whom likely used use his services. Now, I'm not saying I'm not this. This was just a commentary on what they were reporting. Not saying that I've vet going through this. And this is proof. And every, like, we question everything, guys, which is interesting because a lot of people were like, I can't believe you're trusting what they're saying. I, I It's interesting. But my point was, first of all, well, I, you know, that doesn't even matter. The point is to get into that it does appear to be something. Uh, when I say real, it means just th- this document is there. But is the document genuine? Well, that's for you to decide. But what's interesting is so many people commented going, oh, it's not, you know, you tr- trust them. It's not even real. But yeah, it does appear to actually be real. Now, here is the breakdown of 3,886 pages. Thank Orwell Huxley for sending this to me and finding this. Of, of the this is the, the court records coming from this, and you can see right there bopgov.gov FOIA requests to FOIA request of all the Epstein information. And sure enough, you can see it right here. This is just the shot, so it's easier to zoom in on return mail for inmate Epstein. The letter looks like it was addressed to now, this blanks out, but it says he's a former doctor for the U.S. female gymnastics team that was convicted of molesting a bunch of girls. Pretty clear who that is, and even has their names, which isn't it kind of disgusting that they're willing to block out Nassar's name, but not the, the children that were molested by him. That seems pretty cool. But under the guise of medical procedures examination, some of the victims' accounts are pretty horrific. The point is, Epstein emailed this person. Now, why would that happen? Or the argument is that that is the, what the, that it happened. Now, again, all of this, who knows? These could be fake. That's certainly possible. But what I said to somebody, which was, again, was actually the point, was that ultimately, the... the Mainstream media is influenced very clearly by the intelligence apparatus and the government. The document, as I said, is there. And I will discuss it, as I said, but it could be fake, of course. Never said I never said it what couldn't be, but it's clear that there is something to talk about. But I said, but to ignore this document, fake or not, because we don't we don't know, based on the assumption that it's fake, based on this person arguing that that's you know the CIA controls everything in the media, wouldn't we all agree that's kind of ridiculous for anyone, let alone a journalist? Right. I mean, if we have the document in front of us, we should be trying to vet this. But to just ignore it out of the the assumption that it's most likely fake. That seems like an interesting thing to say, doesn't it? I'm really weirded out by a lot of the kind of weird pushes we see on the social media today. I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of this kind of stuff is just trying to trap honest people by creating a narrative that they feel like they're going against the community or that they're doing something they shouldn't by, you know, getting people to essentially ignore things that could be real or might or, or are real. Interesting, isn't it? In any case, this is here for you guys to check out. This is this is the FOIA request with all of the information. She's going through it right now, trying to look for anything important. I just find this pretty incredible. And again, seeing as how this is the document that is within this information, think about the comment, right? I believe this very strongly. There is a community of sexual predators who are affluent, that are at the top of society, that have the resources and the wherewithal to get away with this. And they talk to each other. Why wouldn't they? Now, that's not my opinion. Whether or not these people are in that community, that's a different point. But we know this is existing because we see things like the Epstein conversation. 
We see things like, I mean, even going to people like Harvey Weinstein using Black Cube and all that. There's very clear overlaps. One that is allowed and obfuscated by people at the highest levels. Don't forget what that one woman said on the stage. We all knew what he was doing. Yeah, you did. Nobody spoke up, not the media, not the government, nobody, until independent media made this a story, just like all the rest of it. Interesting, isn't it? But dive into it, guys. Let me know what you find. It's a lot to look at. Now, one other thing I want to say on this is before we get into the, the trans conversation is about misinformation. Really, not necessarily misinformation, but partisan misleading you know, I mean, it's misinformation is what it is, but the term gets so overused in wrong ways today. The point is that partisanship, two-party illusion stuff, misleading people. And, and I'm not necessarily even saying it's by on purpose, but that's what the two-party illusion does. Now, this person pointed this out, says illegals, that's the point here, would be able to arrest U.S. citizens. It's on the government governor's desk to sign. Well, that's not actually at all what it actually says. First of all, it just says non-citizens, which is not illegals. And of course, the actual document makes it clear that that's not even, they are legal people in this country that just haven't actually gotten citizenship yet. But the problem is people, some people, I'm not going to assume for this person, but some people on certain political sides don't care of the difference. Now, is that a problem? Shouldn't we care about individual people or, you know, care whether or not people are going through the proper channels versus people that may be trying to break the law? That's ultimately the crux of the point, right? Is that, well, they broke the law, they swam through the Rio Grande and they didn't care to go through the process. Well, then, yeah, that's a, that's a flaw. But the problem is, of course, the Democrats, or some of them anyway, don't seem to care about that. So it's like the same problem on the other side of it. Obviously, if they broke the law, well, that matters, doesn't it? It sh- should. So on one side, there is no such thing as illegal. On the other side, they're all illegal. There's your two-party paradigm, breaking logic as always, driving people in the extremes while acting like we're radicalizing people by showing you the nuanced, middle ground, critical thinking conversation. But here's the actual document. And it just says very clearly, right at the top, it says, this amends the Illinois uh, Municipal Code, provides that an individual who is not a citizen, but is legally authorized to work in the United States. You know, so this person didn't even look, right? Or doesn't care, because they are the same thing to them. The problem is that people spread this, and it did. It gets a lot of reach. People talk about this stuff. 90,000 views. 900 likes, 766 retweets, just based on what she said right there. This goes on spreading around and round, and people are saying, yep, they're, all these illegals are going to arrest U.S. citizens now. And then when somebody comes in the chat and says, that's not inaccurate, it's not that they go, oh, you're, 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 you know, you're buying the mainstream narrative or you're the same kind of stuff we see. No, it's just not true, right? It's a problem with people with a lot of the two-party illusion stuff today. It goes on to say that it provides a deputy sheriff or special policeman may be an individual. Not that they're going to be given to these people out of, outright, but the idea is that they just, it's just amending this to say you can apply for the position should you be legally here, but yet not yet a citizen. I just, it's so interesting what, how quickly this has changed over the years. This used to be a point of pride for Americans to say, well, people want to come here. They still pretend that on one side of the conversation, yet then turn around and call them all eagles that shouldn't, you know, it's, it's interesting. Now, that's not to say that there's not an obvious agenda. We spoke about this at the rally. There is no debate. It's undeniable that there's an agenda. We could talk about Soros. We could talk about a lot of things. The way these people are being shipped around, it's not up for debate. It's clear. But that does not mean, one, that those, even those people being shipped around, are they're human beings being abused for a political agenda. So we should blame the politicians, not the individuals. But on top of that, 
then it's obvious that this is something being used to achieve a certain political end, like, you know, the larger global concept, no borders, very clear, or even just the medical concept. Using the border with these, you know, everyone's framing certain people online, big accounts are saying, oh, they're coming through with, you know, all these diseases and all these problems. And, and why don't we realize how perfect that is? For the, oh, they stand up and go, yes, you're right. And that's why we need border patrols with facial recognition and vaccine passports, because we got to make sure. I don't know why the partisanship can't recognize that kind of trap, even if that person doesn't mean to do it. In any case, I find this to be very clear. That's not the accurate situation. Here's another one. Now, this one's just frustrating because this is this. I mean, you guys may not know it, but the Q community and the same Q posts with their cryptic writing, that's very real and alive. You may be blown away. That's true. But that's still happening. And yes, they're still telling you that people will be taken to Guantanamo Bay and given military tribunals. And guess who just went? Gretchen Whitmer apparently was arrested and charged with treason and is currently in Guantanamo Bay right now, according to this platform. Which got one hundred and thirty nine thousand views. Over a thousand retweets. Jane Doe follows up and says, you need to find more reliable sources for your information. May I suggest Corbett, Whitney Webb, T-Lab, Derek Rose. Now, it, as always, could it be possible this happened and everyone's covering up? Of course. But I'll tell you what, they don't have any evidence of it other than some cryptic post that says so with literally nothing else. And despite the fact that you can see Gretchen Whitmore still out and about, but you know, it's all, it's all fake news and it's a robot or it's a fake picture. Whatever makes that make sense to them. You can read it for yourself. It's everything you might imagine. It's the Q narrative. What blows me away is that this is getting reach. Now here's the other part to think about. Of course, this shouldn't be censored. They have free speech. They can say whatever they want. They can lie. But the point is that why isn't the corporate media attacking this? Right. Why aren't they screaming about how how dare they? Isn't this misinformation? Isn't this dangerous misinformation that could lead to somebody? It's because this doesn't matter. You see, because it's obviously fake. See, when they stand up and scream and freak out about what we're doing, it's because most likely or usually, I should say, it's something they don't want you knowing, like that the injections are killing people or that the East Palestinians are suffering from dioxins and violent chloride poisoning. And all the things that they go, oh, fake news, super dangerous misinformation. I don't see any correction on this. Where's the where's the community notes? Isn't that funny? It's not really. It's very unnerving to realize that they only call fake news the truth. Or rather, only call the truth fake news. Excuse me. Very, very concerning. Well, let's start with this. I just played this the other day. I think this is really important. It's getting a lot of a lot of reach, and I think it's valid. I think there's a reason. Now, what I when we played this before, actually here, let's just start with playing it. I'll play it again. And you guys can decide for yourselves, and then we'll go through the commentary. Because this is very important. Now, one thing I will say, I've done my due diligence on this. This is happening. I've, ha- I've, I've seen multiple examples of this exact topic. So despite pe- what people may say, we know this is happening. And it's very, very concerning. And we've, already, we've seen public displays of this. So watch it for yourself. My name is Nicole Solis, and I am a mother from Rhode Island who was sued by the teachers' union simply because I wanted to know what my kindergartner would be learning in school. And here's how this happened. I asked to see the curriculum, and my school told me I had to submit a public records request. The curriculum wasn't posted online, and it wasn't available in a school district. Then I asked them if they were teaching gender theory, and they told me that they don't call children boys and girls, and they embed the values of gender identity into every classroom, including kindergarten, and they didn't want to answer any of my questions further. 
They told me that they would communicate with me only through public records requests, and that is the only way I could get my questions answered. And when I did submit the public records request that they told me to submit, and I submitted hundreds because I had hundreds of questions, my school board then put my name on the agenda of a public school board meeting and held a public school board meeting to discuss suing me for submitting the request that they told me to submit. In a five hour long school board meeting, they openly debated my moral character, my political motivations. They said that I was causing chaos, wreaking havoc, harming the district, harming children. One school board member even said she felt unsafe and started to cry because as you see, I'm really scary standing here <laughs> right now. And they really just tarred and feathered me for asking questions. And they had never met me before and this was the first school board meeting that I had ever been to in my life. They wanted to send a message to other parents that if you ask questions, they will come after you. Well, at the end of this meeting, they decided that they, they wouldn't sue me for asking questions because they never intended on actually suing me. They just wanted to publicly humiliate me in a school board meeting that was a show trial. And when that happened, then the teachers union, the largest teachers union in the country, the NEA, did file a lawsuit against me to bully me and harass me with frivolous litigation and to send a message to other parents that if you ask questions about public education, they will come after you. Pretty clear, right? Now, it's amazing to me that people would, dismute, would dismiss this. What you'll be surprised about is how they're doing this. I've had many comments like this. Well, first of all, it's just, I don't believe her. There's plenty of people commenting down here saying, can't you tell that's fake? Can't you tell she's making it up? So in, in, in response to what she's stating, people will, they go with their gut feeling and not say, I think that. They say, she's lying because I can tell. Does that sound like an intelligent person using their personal opinion as absolute fact? That's a problem. Now, the point is, I mean, I look, I'm a pretty good detector of BS. I feel like I can pick things up pretty well, but you never know for sure. Just because, in my opinion, it seems like she's telling the truth doesn't mean she couldn't be lying. But to me, I don't know. It seems quite, at least it seems reasonably down the middle, right? She see, I don't see any indication she's making this up. And on top of that, again, it is not up for debate that that is happening. I find that very interesting. I just thought this was a humorous response from somebody. I don't believe her. She's obviously an attention-seeking coos. What an intelligent person, right? Obviously, my opinion. Can't you tell? And then there's the best part. TLAV, you have completely fallen for this blatant propaganda and quite frankly, have been one of the most disappointing independent journalists, excuse me, reporters of all time. I have literally zero respect for you and your work. <laughs> it's great, huh? I said, cool. Thanks, man. I disagree. <laughs> it's just it's crazy. Like, Clearly, and as I engage a little further, this is a trans person that's upset about the conversation, and this is how they react. And it just shows you that it's like, <laughs> what's funny about that is, you know, obviously there's plenty of people that don't like my platform, that don't like me, that think, oh, I talk too much, or I blah, 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 blah. But I'm pretty sure we're, we're you know, other than the suppression and attacks and all that, doing pretty well. <laughs> I think we got a pretty good reach for an independent platform that's not, you know, when we're literally getting the same interviews as people on the corporate media, I think we're doing pretty well. So I just think it's obviously, I don't care what this person says. I think it's hilarious that people are that emotionally wrapped up in this to the point where they get so angry based on the opinion to say, you're so terrible, worst ever on the planet, you know, showing you their hyperbolic <laughs> assumptive perspective. It's hilarious. Now, anyway, I said, this is one of the most clear examples of how this entire movement has been weaponized. You become the persecutor. 
the moment you even have questions, which again, I've seen numerous videos of people just simply asking a basic question and the way that they get responded to, both, both in the vaccine conversation as well as this. It, it shows you that you're not allowed to question this stuff. This is dangerous. And as I said, it feels a bit like a runaway train of a political agenda. Not to say that they care at all about that, but the point is that this is something that I think has clearly gotten out of control, as we'll show you another point in a minute. You know, as, as, as I think Jordan Peterson point, the fringe always consumes the fringe. And I think this is what we're seeing is these people are getting so out of control, so militant and rabid with this whole thing, not every trans person, but the people wrapped up in this movement, that they're consuming other parts of that very movement because they don't do what they're supposed to do. Because apparently that's how this is going now. This trans element is setting the, every the tone for all the rest of it. And they're attacking people within this community because they're not saying the right thing or doing the right thing. Or now lesbians are a problem because they're not, they're an under, they're undermining trans. And we, these conversations are being had. It's very concerning. I showed you this as well. This is from 2020, but nonetheless, Janet Street Porter points out, thinking of children as state assets may be the way forward. Of course, her argument is that we just want to protect them, you conspiracy theorists. Well, it's kind of irrelevant, isn't it? It's not about whether you have good intentions or not. It's about the simple idea that the state having any kind of control over your kids in this way, or rather seeing them as assets of the state, meaning they have complete control, agency over what happens, is a problem. Whether or not you have good intentions, which I find hard to believe based on plenty of things I pointed out. It simply means that at some point, anybody anywhere who has that power could choose to do something that they, under the guise that it's of their best interest, could do what they want. Of course, you know that anybody with two brain cells to rub together are aware that that's possible. Of course, when you talk about it with this, oh, fake news, because of agendas and politics. Well, here is a very concerning point. This was posted by Orwell Huxley. I've, I think I've played this before, actually. This was posted two years ago. It's simply a mom standing up to discuss what this book is relaying to children in elementary school. Well, in this case, a 15-year-old, so this would be high school, early high school. The point is that this book is, give, is also being given to lots of younger kids and so on, being read and it, by you know drag, screen, drag, drag queen story time and so on. And by the way, the reason I picked those pictures today is not, you know, it, it, we're going to get into in general, is not because that a trans person reading to kids is inherently problematic. It is to some people. It's the sexualization of it. It is the 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 clothing, you know, their their lingerie type clothing, and the the fact that one of those images I have on the screen today or on the on the main image as it's a it's a pretty famous case in this is of the transgender person or rather a drag queen sitting in front of young children with a short skirt and their genitals hanging right out. It's blurred, of course right in front of a little three, four-year-old kid. And of course, they followed up going, okay, we need to institute some, some dress codes. So yeah, you don't say. The point is that the whole problem about this is not that that is a, that just the trans person being, or rather a drag queen in front of it. It's the point that everything that's happening is inherently sexual. Again, this is the idea, LGBTQ, right? What does L stand for? Lesbian. Okay, well, what makes it, what, what, is, what is our defining characteristic of a lesbian? They have sex with women. They're attracted to women. Is there anything else? Is it because they have a certain color hair? No, no. It's obviously about sexuality. Okay. Gay. Same point. What are the defining characteristics? They have sex with men. They're attracted to men. And then again, I always point out B, 
is so hilariously contradictory to the whole thing because it implies there's only two sides. Binary, you're bi. <laughs> it's just so stupid they keep that in there, but they can't remove it now because then they're not inclusive. It's hilarious. They've trapped themselves in so many ways. But what's the point? What is bi mean? Well, it means that you have sex with both sides. Okay, so at what point are we getting to something that's not inherently about sex? None of it. Every single one of these, including trans, is about the idea of your sexual identity, which they'll be clear about. Okay, then explain to me why this should be presented to children. What they're trying to say is it's about, you know, inclusivity, inclusivity and showing them that people can be what they want. But that's not what's happening, though. It's not just saying, understand that there are these kind of people and they exist, too. It's, it's an overwhelming focus on the idea of what all of this is. And books like this are being given to children, not every single one of them, but plenty of them. We've shown you an endless amount of them in the UK and the United States where they're talking about overtly sexual content. In fact, content that is so far above, above and beyond just sexuality. It's, it's, it's fetish. It is extreme. Listen to her for yourself. I'm a parent of four Hillsborough County students, and I am baffled by the book, The Bluest Eye, and that it has made it through so many checkpoints and has still managed to land in the hands of our children, my daughter, 15 years old. Um, and I would ask if any parents are in the room, I would love to warn you to shield your ears because it is very graphic. Um, so I went and researched the book, and here's part of the review. Quote, graphic details given about incestuous rape the book graphically discusses many sexual topics, including orgasms, prostitution, incest, rape, nudity, pornography, molestation, pedophilia, masturbation, sexual dreams, homosexuality, bestiality, and sodomy, unquote. Like, let's just, you just there's, every single one of those is a problem for a prepubescent child. Now, you could argue 15 is not the same thing, but either way, it's, it's a, we're talking about a, a, a minor. But explain for me why bestiality, for example, would even have a place in this conversation. How do you, uh, nobody could give you a valid argument for why that should be included. Acceptance, or that would be the best you're probably going to get. So why is it in there? Why is it being presented to children? I could give you all sorts of guesses. Quite frankly, I think it's something quite dark and sinister, but you can decide for yourself. I'm not interested in sheltering my kids from awful realities that exist in life. We aren't afraid to talk to them about rape, pornography, and violence. But I'm also not interested in spewing the graphic explicit cesspools of sexual perversity in front of them. These students deserve our protection from this. There is no innocence, if there, sorry, is there no innocence to safeguard anymore? If this is reasonable material to put in front of our kids, where is your line? And at right. what point is this too much? And to what end are we exposing them to the sexual fantasies of a pedophile? God, it's just, that, that's what this is, by the way. The person's a pedophile. We've talked about this book. I mean, it's, it's completely unnerving. On a quick side note, I'm going to try to reach out. I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head in the moment, but I'm going to try to, I, I got his info. I'm going to reach out to him for an interview. I saw him at the, at the rally over the last couple of days. And he did this fascinating conversation. It's horrific, but it's very interesting. There's a lot of good information about what he calls the, or what they call the ACE score, which is adverse childhood events. And that, that includes, you know, violence and sexual abuse and everything. And the point he made, is this is not only dismissed, despite very clear evidence that it has a direct effect on your personality, on the actions you take in life, on the kind of things that, you know, all this stuff. They, but they just laughed this person in with this, this very clear study, proving that it was clear, and they just they, the community just didn't want to look at it. The point is that he shows in this discussion that when you talk about the LGBTQ community, that they have 
dramatically more of those events in their lives by 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 the vast majority. Like, if you know, I forget what the numbers were. Again, I don't want to misquote it because I'll have him on for an interview. But he talked about the average person, the average child today having many of them, which is disgusting to think about. Multiple examples. Most kids have some kind of sexual abuse. How is that? Even, it's crazy. But when you look at the LGBTQ community, it's dramatically more than that per individual. And he argues that that's largely why these people end up in these positions. And that's an interesting thing to think about. You, you can disagree, but it's, it's, a, it's a valid point to be made about whether, you know, asking whether that is playing a factor, right? So when you're confronting young children with these kind of dramatic and, and, and you know, especially at that young age, that was, that's one of the points he even made in, the, in this presentation. The average kid is presented on the online today with, a, with extreme not just graphic, but just like fetish type pornography well before they're even able to understand what they're looking at. And that, that alone has an effect on who they become. And this is what's being given to them in books. I ask you to bear with me as I have never in my life said words like this out loud. She's and reading as a mother book. of four daughters, this sickens me. And I quote from page 178 to 180 from a letter to God from the pedophile called Sophie. Final thoughts? Let me tell you now about the breasts of little girls, the buds, mean little buds, resisting touch, springing like rubber, but aggressive, daring me to touch, commanding me to touch. I couldn't, as you must recall, keep my hands, my mouth off them. Salt, sweet. Someday I will die. The little girls are the only things I'll miss. Do you know when I touched their sturdy little tits and bit them just uh, a little? I felt I was being friendly, careful. playful. And this, we have a young, that's hypocrisy. A my children have been asked to read. Thank you. Thank you. So you get the absurdity of what just happened, right? She's literally being, be careful, be careful. There's children in the room. That's what this person just told her. The school board. You know, the same school board that is approved this book for children in schools. Says, whoa, 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 you can't say this in front of kids. I mean, how did you even make sense of that? It's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Here's another example. This this is of a school, and this is a recent discussion of the of uh, the the Pride Month conversation. Now, what again? This is an important point to make on all this. What we're talking about here is not the issue that they're acknowledging that people are gay and lesbian and trans, and they have a, they can you know celebrate this. It is the wild overrepresentation, and then again that what this ultimately is about is sexuality. That's what the Pride. That's what again. There's no disputing that. This is, and again, these are the flags that include the light pink, light blue, and the colors, which I, which we've proven on the show, were originally come from the minor attracted persons flag. That's what it was in 2009, I think, and they voted for it. That's what it is. Now, of course, they, they argue it just stands for trans. Now, maybe they don't know that. I find that hard to believe. But ultimately, what you're going to see is a school with young kids, and the way these teachers are promoting this, it's, well, let's let it speak for itself.
Now, what does that look like to you? Right. I mean, like, do they do the same thing for, for other discussion? I mean, you know, it's, it's, obviously this is an overrepresentation and it's so in front. It's so forced. It's so in your face. And all of this has to do with sexuality. Why is this being presented to them in such an aggressive manner when they're children? And the problem we're going to get to next is in, even if you dispute all of what we're talking about and say, Ryan, you're missing the whole point. It's just about celebrating people's identity. OK. The problem, I disagree with that, but the problem is that what's happening is they are indeed focusing on children, minors, as young as these kids for puberty blockers, which despite all the narrative, which again, always narrative versus fact, these are dangerous. There's no long-term studies and the studies we do have show all sorts of problems. Even Reuters and Associated Press, which I just went over my last show, make these same arguments that they potentially could lead to infertility, that they're having all sorts of long-term lasting effects, that it, it basically freezes their, their sexual glands in a young pupil. It's crazy. This is not my opinion. This comes from the highest level science that is, exists. And the point is they don't even know what's going to happen in 30 years because they have never studied it. Sort of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Josh, jo uh, Josh Walkos shared this with me. If this isn't the hill to die on, I don't know what is. I'm currently writing a piece on the human rights campaign and had to share what I just discovered. HRC are the biggest LGBTQ advocacy activist organization in the country. Every year they release a corporate index, corporate equality index. So think ESG. It's the same thing. It's exactly what we're talking about. And that's why this is happening. ESG is an important conversation about this. But this is just a specific point in it, that they're creating these dynamics that force these companies to do things that act, they act against their own interests in many cases, in most cases, I would argue, because if they don't, well, they're going to lose everything, right? They're going to lose all their connections, their corporate sales, their, their infrastructure, their, because they, they, these groups are connected from the top down with all of it. Most of these, most of them are governmental connections, right? So the point is if they don't espouse the right things, they put the flag on their site, on their posters and blah, blah, blah. Well, they're going to get a lower score, which means they'll then get considered less when it comes to things they may need going forward for their business. It's not hard to see how this works. So you have a very small select entity group of people that are pushing this, you know, based on what, less than 1% of the population. And every single company has to comply. He's saying they award a score to businesses based on the policies of the HRC demands that they implement related to the LGBTQ issues. Every year they add more demands and these fortune 500 companies strive to get a perfect rating of hundred by meeting those demands. Look closely at 2022's transgender healthcare benefits. I'll show you next. The criteria and then the new criteria for 2023. When the new ratings are released, just know that any company that scores 100 has signed on to, and by virtue of capitulating to the HRC's demands, explicitly supports puberty blockers for minors. And their insurance plan is covering it. So this is important to understand. So this is already happening. They couldn't get a perfect rating if they didn't. Think about that. The largest and most successful companies in America are signing on to offering a benefit where their employees can use their health care coverage to put their child on puberty blockers, even though we have no long-term data on this. And the data we do have show irreparable harm being caused by every European country that has attempted this has stopped because of the detriment that has caused to kids. Just like everything else, it seems that we're the U.S. government is, you know, the other countries around the world have completely banned most of these other products that we use in this country that are, you know, we keep doing it. 
because apparently you're the only they know and everyone else is wrong. No, the reality is we are this government is clearly one of the leading problems in all of the stuff that's going on. It's impossible not to see that, guys. Both sides of it, by the way. It says not only that look, not only that look at the other criteria, they also must include a covered for include as covered on insurance. Facial feminization surgery as a medical necessity. Travel and lodging expenses. This should be a huge story. He says, please help to make it one by sharing this information. Any company that signs on to this should be held accountable for the irreparable harm that's being going to cause. Here's the actual document right here. New criteria, 25 points. And it simply says, you know, healthcare. It says to secure full credit for benefits criteria, benefit must be explicitly affirmed in contract documentation. So they're setting the guidelines. You must make sure this is explicit, not just on it, but in big and bold letters so the parents see it, so they know they can do it. There's obviously an agenda here, guys. It says in, 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 uh, available to all benefits eligible U.S. employees in areas where more than one health insurance plan is available. At least one inclusive plan must be available. It says equal health coverage for transgender individuals without ex- exclusion for medically necessary, necessary care. 15 is your age. Based coverage must include the following mental health benefits, pharmaceutical coverage, puberty blockers for youth. Hormone replacement therapies. So both, right? So puberty blockers, which we know, we just went over this and using some of Josh Walco's work, actually. We know these things are dangerous now. And even the high-level conversations, actually, we've talked about the people at this leading group. These people that are inside the leading transgender clinics, three of these doctors, including the vice president, have spoken up and said, we are being sloppy. People are, are giving these things to kids that might just be confused. That's what they're telling people. That's recent. And yet they stay because they do. They still argue that they, they, they agree that this should be an option, that some people need it. But even those people are telling you that they are being sloppy and careless and giving it to pretty much anybody that comes in. How do you not see that as an agenda? I literally just talked about this if you want to check it out. It was this, uh, this show right here. Just went over this. Right on their own. That's from Reuters that reported that. So the problem is that then they also have hormone therapy. So that's, that is the ex- exponentially more damaging and dangerous. And that's even being argued that it should be also given to minors. And in some cases it already has, in some cases they've already allowed surgeries, right? For they've talked about for 15 and up, I believe mastectomy, the, 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 the breast removal, but they've also talked about this in some cases, 16 year olds have had full transgender surgeries, minors, now, here is in, in the, one of the images we used on the front, which is so people know that this is not fake. This is a photo shows drag queen story hour performer in miniskirt exposing crotch as children sit close by. Well, the library acknowledged the need for a performer dress code, which they clearly have still not done, but, you know, they want you to think they care. But the point is simple, that this person sat down and nobody seemed to care. Look at how, look at this child. Staring right at her. I mean, this is this is a man with a penis. That's what's happening. I just don't even understand why this is not the most obvious thing in the world. I think it is for most people. Now, here's where this is the exact point right here. Riley Gaines has been fighting this. Not all transgender people, but the reality of how this agenda is hurting things like female sports. But the point is, not. this is not even about that. This is about the point we were talking about in regard to the YMCA, about we, how there are young girls 
seven, six years old, who are being confronted with full male nudity in their showers at the YMCA. And then when they are traumatized by that, screaming, crying, they go out and their parents complain. They go, you're a bigot. They're allowed to be there. That's not a joke. That happened. There's two, two separate YMCA stories that I just talked about. Real story. So here she is pointing this out. This is well, here. We'll start with this. This is the story. This is a uh, school board pays a family $125,000 after punishing a father simply for misgendering a kid. That's it. They fired him. They lost his job. They kicked him out of the school. All this different stuff because he said so misgendered. That's a real story. You can read this for yourself. But he won and he got reinstated. Speaking out against trans students. <laughs> the point in which, again, it not that free speech? Apparently not today. The bottom line is that they, the, the judge ruled that they were right. So the point, you have to remember that there are still people that can see that they have a job that's more so about, you know, can see past the politics in some cases. Maybe you could just argue it was a Republican guy. Who knows? But the bottom line is this person won. So what Riley Gaines says is so happy for volleyball player and friend Blake Allen, who is the, the, the actual girl volleyball player that she's talking about. The father was the one that got fired for feeling uneasy undressing next to a boy in her locker room, which is the truth. It's not some, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a man or a boy in this case, the both two different conversations, but I'm saying in this case, it's either a man or a boy who are fully still a man or a boy who are identifying as a woman. And that somehow is okay for people today. Despite the fact that narrative aside, that used to be completely unacceptable. And you see how this works simply because of a narrative. Suddenly, you're the bad person for saying the same thing we all used to think. That's how this works. She was suspended from school for being uncomfortable about that. And her dad, we just pointed out, lost his job. They told her she would only be let back if she publicly apologized for her feeling uncomfortable around a naked kid, a boy. And she says in 2023, it's... It's 2023 and legal action is necessary to uphold the ability for girls to give consent when it comes to disrobing in front of or being exposed to the opposite sex. Really try to put your politics aside and recognize how spot on that is. The problem is that people who don't want to hear it won't. They think, oh, Riley Gaines, a Nazi, white supremacist, whatever their dumb narrative is. But the point is that's so obviously the case. What, how, do, how does the fact that this person just decides one day to be something different matter at all when it comes to the fact that you're still exposing genitals in front of young girls? I don't even understand. And the point is that everybody somewhere truly knows that. Then you add to the conversation, what if that person's lying? Because you can't know that. But of course, they won't admit that because then it admits the reality of the problem in all this, that it's completely subjective. Well, here's where it gets even more concerning when you can see that this is being marshaled, mobilized by the governments like the United States government to be some new form of, of regime change tactic or some form. It's the same kind of thing we see everywhere else. Biden now wants to sanction Uganda because its government passed an anti-LGBT law. Think about how ridiculous that is. So again, are, are, are you don't want to be the policeman of the world. How often does that not seem likely? Obviously, even Trump said this and then carried on being the policeman of the world, despite them not having that authority. If the government passed this law or you're the ones pretending that's because the people wanted it and they're just representing their people. Of course, when you don't want that, you say the opposite. The point, though, is that the government passed this. What right do you have to step in and say we personally from a morally stand, we disagree 
We think you're doing what's wrong. So we're going to sanction you, even though unilateral sanctions are illegal in their own right. But, you know, laws don't matter to corrupt people. Of course, here's Jordan Peterson pointing out the fringe always devours the fringe. What's interesting to me, just on a quick side note, is that this is the same Jordan Peterson that is now seemingly like overly, overly emotionally supporting Israel, who, by the way, is the fringe. Maybe he doesn't realize that yet. Right. The extremist, openly supremacist, openly apartheid, openly authoritarian, openly fascist. They are they're the extremists, guys. They're the fringe. And it's not it's as clear as it's ever been in history. It's not debatable, as all the human rights groups pointed out, as the, you know, all the laws, blah, blah, blah. So it's interesting that he would, you know, I, just, I think it's an interesting side note. But the saddest thing this person's ever heard, lesbians are being erased. That's what this person is saying. It, it, regardless of the opinion, you could think for yourself, this is what this, this person is saying, which if I understand the situation, is a woman who went through transgender transitioning and it ruined her life. And she's here speaking on what this did to her and how and the, the main point of this is not and the point of Heidi is that this this would have been a lesbian. And this girl was convinced that she was trans and went through this process, went only to realize she was simply a lesbian and no change was needed. And the point was that when she went through the process, things definitely changed with testosterone and all these different feelings. But her point was it was horrific. Like the worst thing, like the, you'll let her explain it for herself. But the point was, it was unnatural. She felt wrong. She felt feelings, but she didn't like it. She was grossed out by it. Now, maybe that's different for other people. You can decide for yourself. But the point was, what if they're just gay and not trans? Doesn't that matter? But of course not. But see, even that is the point. That's now a problem. So now they're attacking that community. And that is happening in the movement. To say that's all trans people would be stupid. I know plenty of them that aren't saying that's the case. And I know the idea is that this is something that is a clear political motivation. We could make a thousand examples of why that makes sense. But the point is, it's not everybody. But at the end of the day. Well, let me ask it like this. Do you think this is the plan or do you think this is them, the runaway train of a narrative or an agenda? It's hard to say because it works both ways. But listen to it for yourself. more thoughts um, yeah um, I'd like to say something about like, both of, something you both said um, about like the love thing like it ties into the love thing and also sexuality so I had never really had a crush on anyone before I went on puberty blockers I'd never met any gay person before I went on puberty blockers never met a lesbian and then my point, my thought on that, why that's relevant is because and you will hear the rest of it, too, is that that the point she's making is that she had no understanding. Right. She'd never even got any interaction with gay people. So she didn't know. So when somebody came to her and said, you're trans, take puberty blockers. It was like, oh, that makes sense. They, this is what's happening. People that are vulnerable, that are confused, are being pounced on. And in many cases by this agenda and even the people at these clinics are saying we're being sloppy or not even vetting this properly. Those are the, again, the VP of one of these light leading clinics. It's just amazing. We can't have these conversations and it shows you how overwhelming this is a political agenda at the moment. Even if you think some of this is genuine. I went on puberty blockers and then while I was on puberty blockers, I met a lesbian girl and I knew I liked her, but I, I, I was just, 
I didn't have any feelings for her. Like, I didn't want to kiss her. I didn't have any sexual feelings because I was on blockers. I knew I liked her, and it, it just it just wasn't making any sense. And then I went on testosterone, and that sort of gave me a libido, but it wasn't my own sexuality. My own hormone cycle was suppressed. I didn't have my own sexuality. And so I knew I was in love with this girl, but I wasn't experiencing actual attraction to her. And like you, you do need that sexual attraction when you're crushing on someone. It's important also in the context of love. Um, and then, like what you said about like what this does to someone's body, um, I think it's a human rights violation <laughs> to take that from a child because. So it's clear what she's saying is to give them puberty blockers, right? To 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 take from them their organic, you know, the, the natural state of things and being the attraction she would have felt had it not been there. She, she literally a human rights. I mean, that's think about that there. And it doesn't matter whether you think this is just a single case or not. This exists. She is a real person. So the idea that we don't factor this in to the overwhelming runaway train of an agenda we're staring at is is disgusting to me. Like I said, I had no sexual experience before I went on blockers at 16. I had no experience with my body, none whatsoever. And then I went on blockers, testosterone, um, and both ruined my sexuality. Testosterone ruined my genitals. Um, and only after quitting testosterone and like my body recovering... Only at the age of 22 have I experienced healthy genitals and non-painful orgasms <laughs> and that sexuality is actually nice. While for those six years between age 16 and 22, I thought sexuality was gross. I thought my body was gross. My genitals hurt. Orgasms hurt. I didn't want to be with anyone. I was ashamed of my body. And like I said, I wasn't actually crushing on anyone in a normal way. Nothing made any sense. Doesn't that seem like the exact opposite of what's being sold, right? Now, look, you've heard plenty of testimonies. Now, maybe they're lying. That's possible, too. But you've heard plenty of testimonies of people that say, oh, I finally feel like myself, and I, I finally feel like... Well, but okay, maybe you could argue that's because, in this case, that's somebody who should be doing it. Now, again, my opinion's clear. I don't think that. But you could argue that. But in this case, you have to realize that this is somebody who shouldn't have, right? It's every moment of this was wrong to them. It felt wrong. It felt opposite. It didn't make sense. The point, and, and it, it just ruined their life. That is something that's happening to young kids too. Looking, looking back on that, um, how did you process the, uh, was there frustration or was it just cluelessness about why these feelings are, are going on? What do I do with these uh, feelings? Uh, seems like it, it seems like, uh, like with that crush, you, you had... You had desire, but it could only go so far. So. I felt blocked. You felt blocked. Even when I was on testosterone, I felt blocked because I knew I liked her, but I, I, I did not even have, like, she would, maybe a bit much, but, like, she would try to kiss me, and I would be like, well, I like her, so I should be enjoying this, but it wasn't doing anything to me. Hmm. I would kiss her, and it just nothing happened. That's a really interesting point, like, totally on a different discussion about how there's something inherent in all of this. So she still very clearly was like, I like her. There's something in there that still knew that, but yet there was no hormones to cause there to be that, you know, the feeling we under we, we all know. 
That's very interesting. Well, I knew I liked her, and I was, like, obsessed with her, but my own sexuality wasn't there. And I now know the difference, because I now have my own hormone cycle, and I have my own sexuality, and just everything is different. And now I understand what other people experience, oh. and, and, and now it's like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> God, that's so sad. Oh. It's, it's, um, I've heard many stories such as yours, and I just can't get my head around. I can't get my head around it. But thank you for sharing. Wow. I mean, that's just so depressing and sad. You know, I mean, that, and, and clearly her voice is still deep, right? I don't think that's ever going to come back. That's just crazy. I mean, I, I don't know, but it's just pretty unnerving. Last couple points on this and wokeness points something out that I thought was pretty interesting. And I've looked up most of these and it's crazy to think about. So what's the big argument being made here is that they're, you know, they're being oppressed. They're being murdered in the streets and they're being taken out. What's interesting is this person simply points out, well, 145 calendar days throughout the year dedicated to LGBTQ. Is that what oppression looks like? Isn't that an interesting point? Right. You mean you got the entire month of June, the Pride Month, of course. But, you know, you got like, like things like the Day of Silence and April 14th. You look these up. They're all LGBTQ holidays or some kind of very you know tangential concept. Look how many of those. I mean, that's really ridiculous. Not because you, some, some people don't deserve a day, but how obviously that's not, again, less than one percent of the population. And now there's 145 different days throughout the year. That's, half, that's almost half the year. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. There's such an obvious agenda happening here. And of course, what that ends up doing, like all of these agendas, is creating an overcompensation. And then people who are overtaken by one side of the two-party paradigm hate all of these people. Because they're all the same. That's not true. And that's the problem. There's plenty of gay people, lesbian people, trans people who are fighting for the same thing. And the two-party illusion is always stopping us from truly changing things. I recently did this show on May 31st, the dark and surreptitious agenda driving, in quotes, the trans movement. And then this one I recently just did, the weaponization of the transgender movement and the focus on your kids. It's very unnerving, guys. I really hope that people can begin to see this. Now, I had some other stuff that I was think considering showing that I just don't think is even necessary. I recently showed the, the uh, what is it, the phalloplasty or the, you know, the, 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 surgery the bottom surgery as they call it at you know basically shaving off a piece of your skin from your thigh or arm and like making it into some nub that they make into a penis it's 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 unbelievable actually and it's not fake there's people like keep saying that i thought this was fake I, and you look you look this up it's very real it's right on the it's what boston's children hospital or something like that and it shows these images and the point is that these things are not necessarily completely functional if at all and and I've seen some horror stories that seem like that's I, I don't I'm not even going to show the image and I'm going to get into it today because it's so over the top. It's it's out of a horror movie. And it's happening. These kids are having and a lot of these things aren't even successful. They end up your body rejects these things some of the time. Far more than normal surgery, by the way. Anyway, it, it's so over the top. And all of this seems to be overwhelmingly focused or a lot of it at your children. She, pushing this on them with books and discussions and and it's all at the core about sexuality at a time when they couldn't even begin to understand what we're being told how does that make sense now let's talk about something that is definitely overlapped with this and that is the who treaty now of course it's the pandemic treaty but it's the same concept of seeding that's removing sovereignty from the countries right giving this to the who 
in the concept, but only in a pandemic, though, which, of course, will easily change the moment they want it to. And, of course, we just talked about the WHO document discussing that, you know, children can consent to sex with adults. That's a real thing, and it's disgusting. And there's a UN document talking about the same thing. This is all very real and happening. It doesn't mean that everybody that believes that, you know, there's a lot of unwitting mothers and people that think they're just standing up for equality that don't realize what's really happening behind this in some of the cases. But for focusing back on the pandemic treaty, World Health Assembly cites need to restrict personal liberties and expand WHO's emergency powers. The 76th World Health Assembly. Yeah, this is really happening. Here's the Disclosed TV. The WHO reportedly adopting the EU system behind digital vaccine passports to better protect citizens, they claim, and make travel easier. Oh, you remember the global digital passport? They said still in many circles scream is completely fake news. They just announced it. The fake news story. According to the EU Commission, and even according to Tedros himself, Dr. Clegg Crayer, Claire Craig, excuse me, points out Article 19 of the proposed WHO treaties, which they're all signing at this point, demands a minimum of 5% of every country's health budget, an undisclosed percentage of GDP. That's concerning. They will also have the power to demand more when they just choose to declare an emergency. Here's the link. You can look it up for yourself. Now, let's play a clip from Tedros himself to confirm what we just said, to confirm that they are openly telling you that we're going to have digital passports, which, of course, will will obviously mean you're then going to need the vaccine passport side of this, your digital health passport. And, of course, it'll come along with a digital ID. You can't have, you can't have that without digital IDs. And, of course, that will lead to CBDCs and the control. All of this is tied together. That's not my opinion. It's openly stated. All necessary to keep you safe. When in reality, the most danger is coming from the people claiming they're trying to keep you safe. Here's what he just said in regard to this very conversation. Big operations of the network today with the existing COVID-19 certificate as a global public good. Soon after, we will expand this infrastructure by incorporating other use, such as a digitized international certificate of vaccination routine immunization cards, and international patient summaries. WHO will continue to work with all regions to ensure that the network is accessible globally, incorporating relevant experiences and standards from other countries and regions. It's important to emphasize that privacy is key. WHO will not have any access to any personal health data we will only maintain a directory of the public keys that can be used to verify the authenticity of a member state's digital health records. Ah, okay. Well, you know, if you choose to take them at face value and say, well, we only have the, you know, we won't have any information. How often has that been the opposite? That like, After these things are stated about COVID-19 data, about your vaccination status and all these things, are, how often, if you remember, has that not turned out to be the reality? Anybody remember? Always. Every single time. I'm not making this up. Without fail, they go, we will trust. You can trust. We, the privacy will be respected. And then there's a story that comes out and goes, oh, well, it wasn't, you know, is it we, we had to make a choice about. There's just another story that comes out. They go, they, well, this is why we had to. Okay, well, is it any different than the last million times? No, same thing. Over and over and over. And I'll just show this right now. Um, I believe, let's see, where was that? 
Hold on. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. I wanted to show, I think it was here. No, I guess not. Hold on. I'm just going to find this now since this seems like a relevant point to include. And this has to do with, I'll come back to all of this. <laughs> where was that now? Hold on. That's frustrating. I don't know where I kept this, but there was an NHS point regarding. health that i don't know where it went there it is thank god okay nhs data breach trusts shared patient details with facebook without consent (gasps) are you shocked you shouldn't be it happens every time nhs trusts are sharing so the government to be clear the government you know protect the nhs which is ridiculous they're supposed to be protecting you it's not ridiculous but nhs trusts are sharing intimate details about Patients, medical conditions, appointments, and treatments with Facebook without consent. And despite promising never to do so. It's it's almost comical how dumb this is. Like this happens every single time. And I don't it's it's actually kind of mind blowing that we don't learn from our lessons here. Coming back to this part. So the point is, he says, well, don't worry. We're not going to share your information. We're not going to see it. Well, that's, it's ridiculous. It's almost more than naive. Whatever, they got to make a word for more than naive. It's naive to think that this isn't going to happen again. Because it will. Now, whether you th- he knows that or whether he believes that, the bottom line is this is still a situation where they're confirming that you will have a digital ID, you will have a digital passport for your medical information, and that will then be needed when you move across different borders or how whatever the situation then becomes in the technocratic panopticon of a global government situation. But this is the reality. Now, don't forget, we've talked about all this as well, the carbon tax and how that plays in. It's the same concept. The World Economic Forum agenda contributor and CEO of Ra- uh, Rabo Carbon Bank, is it Rabo, Rabo? Barbara Bar- uh, Barsma argues the cause for a personal carbon allowance. Same conversation. It's all about controlling your movement, the flow of information, and your being able to shut you down, right? This all ties in with the social credit score, which is also tied in with the idea of the digital ID and the same points. The uitzoutrechten verdelen and that elk household of elke burger... Oh, I forgot this was in another language. So we'll just read this then from the... uh, Right here from the page itself where she says if we if i want to fly i buy some carbon emissions right from someone there, there are subtitles but for the podcast i want if i want to fly i buy some carbon emissions right from someone who can't afford to fly for example or if someone lives in a small house he can sell his carbon emissions rights to someone who lives in a big house this way poor people can benefit from the green economy yeah is that how it's going to work obviously not big business who has endless resources will simply do what they want and then they will dole out these things that you'll be forced to buy from them to be able to do things you've always been doing today, like driving your car. That's how this is ultimately going to work. People that with money and influence can have vouchers and, and, and you know circumvent, circumvent the process or have enough money to buy it if they want to. So the companies that pollute will continue to pollute. They'll just pay for it or have loopholes because ESG and blah, blah, blah. While you will simply pay more for gas and everything else if that's even still there. It's not hard to understand how this works. Now, here is the WHO former director, or excuse me, the former director states in regard to the WHO, that was correct, but I just read it wrong. Former director of the WHO states 70% of donations have strings attached, linked to the preferences of the donor. Bernie's tweet shared this, and this is one of the main points. This isn't even, nobody even disputes this. This is the same with lobbying and everything else. This is how the world actually works. 
if these amendments are signed, which seemingly they are, Bill Gates, the second largest donor for the WHO, will clearly have unelected power over all of this. Here's what she says. You ask an excellent question. If I tell you that WHO as an organization, only 30% of my budget is predictable funds. Other 70% I have to take ahead and go around the world to beg for money. And when they give us the money, they are highly linked to their preferences, what they like. Right. So translation, that means that when they have to ask for money, well, the money they're being given is linked to quid pro quo. Right. Well, I'm going to give you this, but I want this to happen. Now, of course, you could argue that doesn't mean that it will. But we see how this works and it does. Not maybe you maybe not ubiquitously, but it very clearly does. And somebody like Bill Gates has undue influence over the outcome, which we can clearly see. I mean, it's just as plain as day. And this is all really happening. So we will do more of a more of a you know deep dive on this, I'm sure, both with article form as, as well as the show. But we need to realize this is actually happening. Now, as I've talked to somebody today, that doesn't mean this is over, guys. We, we've lost, we have, we're far from losing. The point is they're going to drive this forward anyway. Now, obviously, in the United States, we've got a lot of Republicans standing up and pushing back on this. And, of course, then people argue that's how you know they're on your side, which is pretty naive, in my opinion. We always have the false dynamic of the debate where they stand up and go, we need to fight this. And the point is they only truly do that in most cases when they know it's going to happen anyway. And they... I, I've argued this many times over the years where I'm, all, I'm willing to bet you my life that they will reach out when if that is the dishonest case where they are just doing it for follow, people to feel like they're on your side. They'll reach out to the lobbyists who don't want this to not. Well, they want this to happen. And they go, hey, this is going to happen either way. I can promise you that. I know the votes. I know where it's going to go. But I'm going to stand up and say things against this. But it's only in the interest of me gaining more support for your agendas in the future. And they go, good, do it as long as I get what I want. That's just my personal opinion. I can't prove that. But I think it's interesting that we can see these kind of things happen all the time. And so right now, when you get these Republicans signing documents and saying, we don't want this to happen. It doesn't seem like they're actually truly trying to stop this. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But at the end of the day, we need to do something about this. The individual peoples of our countries who recognize that none of us want this to happen, but it's happening anyway, which shows you the true status of, of our governments in the world. But we can do something about this the same way, like take the, the Bud Light conversation, right? Whatever you think about it politically or, you know, whatever, the bottom line is people chose to vote with their dollar and it made a difference. I mean, they lost billions of dollars. People are saying they may even go under. Same thing with Target. Their, their, their stock is continuing to fall right now. Now, the point is that that's you know, voting with your dollar is one thing. But in this case, we can influence the outcome. If enough people stand up and make it clear to these politicians that they will lose everything if they do this. That's important. Of course, I'm obviously not talking about violence. Last point on this, Bernie's tweet shares it, that The Guardian points out that universal basic income of 1,600 pounds a month is going to be trialed in two places in England. You know, that fake story that's never going to happen according to all the Twitterverse and corporate media. Dangerous misinformation right up until it's being shoved down your throat. UBI, universal basic income. Remember when Yang pushed that during the election and then later it was fake news? You know, that's how this works. But this is the same conversation. This is part of the same agenda. 
15-minute cities and universal basic income and digital IDs and retina scans and facial ID. It's all the same stuff. It's all driving us in the same direction. Now, on that same note, it's very important to understand how the corporate media in many different ways are actively trying to misinform and lie and gaslight so we don't know what's going on. Now, this is going to lead us to the conversation of COVID-19, which we're going to finish with, rather the injections around it, the illusion that that is, and how it's so important for them to sell us on, like, I mean, just taking, like, this is an example of the Ukraine war. We're going to point out some examples of how this is, you know, just misinformation, the real sense, but coming not from, well, let me, before I give it away, here's a clip that somebody shared. The TV show, the record showed footage of the aftermath of a Ukrainian drone strike on Moscow. Notice the sign in front of the building. Now this, I don't know if this person who did this is the one that cropped this video, but whoever did, did it for a very clear reason. Now what they're saying is this is a fake story. That they're, that this, they're saying this is a Ukrainian drone strike on Moscow. When really it's, it's a building from the United States. And you can see this, they break this down. I'll show you the video. So you guys got an American flag right there. Sure it's clear. I'll show you in a second. But what's interesting is when you go further, there's just a video, you find out that this is not what it's being presented as. It's actually Newsmax. They're the ones that put this forward, branded this, at, or put this forward as, a, as an Iowa building collapse, and they said it was a drone strike. But what's interesting to me is that's supposed to be independent media, right-wing independent media, and yet they're promoting and lying for the Ukrainian agenda? That seems pretty interesting, right? Look at the independent with their same pink, light pink and light blue flag. People just don't know what's going on, man. It's, these are the journalists, too. But here is the full video. We'll play it for you because it very clearly says Newsmax right there. So somebody knowingly clipped this so people would misrepresent this as possibly corporate media. Either way, may, that's aside from the intention. That's just my opinion. What's interesting to me is that even the so-called independent media, which is very clearly not independent media, is just towing these lines. And all they're trying to do is desperately get you to fall further back into the two-party illusion under the guise that one side or the other will see you through. And that's all designed to keep you lost, to keep you from seeing the bigger picture about what's really coming your way, about what's really being rolled out on the world stage, you know, or what's being done to your children or what's coming next, which is what's still happening because of the injections. But you can watch last one there. Watch Let's watch this clip really quickly and you can see what they're lying about. On attack in the city of Moscow. We're going to have the latest when the record continues. There you go. A new chapter unfolding in the Russia-Ukraine war, and it's disturbing. This morning in Moscow, a city of 21 million people, there's a pre-dawn attack. Drones struck several buildings. According to Russia's defense ministry, five of eight drones were shot. Okay, blah, blah, blah. It's so embarrassing that these people still even have jobs. That's going to bother plenty of Republicans to think they're fine. If you, well, explain that for them. Oh, it's just a mistake, and they're on it. Well, yeah, that's your opinion. I can show you 45 other examples from the last 10 seconds from the same platform, but, you know, fight for them. The bottom line is that this is very clearly from a, an example in Iowa. And you can, I mean, you can see the building from a lot of different angles. You can see that this is clearly in the United States, especially from this image here, as well as the fact the guy. And then, of course, you could verifiably prove this video is, in fact, from Iowa, from when this building collapsed. And it's just kind of depressing, right? But, of course, to to 
juxtapose that next to the real misinformation or just the more intense misinformation. Here is CNN running towards the story, unflinching, unrelenting, uncut. This is CNN. As somebody rightly points out, the guy's not even looking at the camera. He's not even looking if he's getting the shot. He's clearly running, which, you know, that's a pretty scary thing. Either way, kind of terrible framing to say, look at what we're doing for you. It's just embarrassing. As I said, misrepresenting the most current information out there, obfuscating, relentless, editing just the way the sponsors like. This is CNN. That's the truth, guys. And it's obviously in all of the corporate media, Fox News included. Imagine I said using the horrendously biased and outright dishonest work the outlet spewed out on Syria as an example of the good work CNN has done. That's what this is from, guys. This is from Homs, Syria, 2012. They were easily one of the absolute worst misrepresenting the reality on the ground in Syria. Here they are promoting themselves by saying, look at our lies in Syria. Unflinching, unrelenting, uncut. My God. Well, these are the people that are still lying to you about what's really going on around the injection. Dr. Peter McCullough points out, we found, when found dead after COVID vaccine, if autopsies are done, the majority of cases will have COVID vaccine-related etiology, including myocarditis and all the rest of the things we're seeing. Stroke, vaccine-induced thrombosis, all these different conversations. This is another. And then the, the reason I brought this up first is because there's this conversation swirling about Jamie Foxx. I just talked about this with um, Steve on uh, Slow News Day. Now, as far as I left off on this topic, let me know if you guys have seen anything new. It is still completely resting. I think I have it right here, actually. One of these coming up. uh, It's in the future. It's coming up here, I think. In any case, we'll we'll get to it in a minute. But the point was that we have... Jamie Foxx conversation swirling around and it seems to rest still on one guy who's saying he's got a source, which in no way am I dismissing. Like I said earlier on the show, if, if I'm giving you my gut feeling, it's clearly that this is what's happening, that he took the injection and he's suffering. Now what's happening is that came out as a story that was saying that that is the same guy that was on Dr. Drew saying he's got an internal source that, that hasn't been named. Who's close to Jamie Foxx, who says he has had a stroke internal bleeding and all whatever. I think, I think it was just a stroke and all the different stuff that led to paralysis and, and all this different stuff, which is clearly going to be very difficult to hide for Jamie Foxx if that's what happened. But then he got immediately after people in his internal circles. I think like family members say, oh, he's out there playing pickleball. He's completely fine. But he's not been seen, clearly. And these, the movie, he has all these big movies. He's going to play Mike Tyson. And clearly they aren't happening right now. So who knows? But what I'm saying is we shouldn't jump to conclusions. Let's be very clear about how, how much is going on today to try to trap people like us. But we should stay pay, pay attention. My thought, what I said on Slow, New Day, Slow, New, Slow News Day, is if we go like a week more and we just don't hear anything or see him, like, that's going to tell us something. We shouldn't assume still, but come on, right? I mean, the whole point is, if this guy is like lost, he's paralysis and these different things he's lost i forget what they said it was like a vision in one eye or something like that or the idea that that's going to be hard to hide so you'll probably not see him for a long time and that will be very telling if this if he's out there playing pickleball why aren't we seeing him back at the movies why aren't people you know it's it's concerning but to jump to conclusions is just a bad way to do this even if we're pretty certain about how this plays out but here's my point in bringing that all up is here's another example of a high a well-known person 
in Ireland, 32-year-old European fitness model champion. Nurse Judy Fitzgerald died unexpectedly, May 27th. The point is just simply there's a lot of these more prominent cases coming out now. Not to say that we can necessarily prove that's because, but we, that, as Dr. McCullough is saying, the, Eddie, the, the reality of all the information is very clear. If they took the injection, they randomly died with no explanation and they're completely fit person. Well, it's pretty, it's most like from deductive logic standpoint from a medical expert telling you that this is what we should assume until proven otherwise based on all the scientific information. It's hard not to see what's going on. Dr. Asim Holter points out, and this is another mainstream article, regulator accused of disturbing cover-up of COVID vaccine deaths. Coming from two, it's actually right here. I'll read what he said first. The safe and effective narrative continues to crumble like a creaking, ugly edifice. When it comes to standing up for patients and the truth, no retreat, no surrender. Here's the actual article. UK Medical's watchdog is accused of disturbing obfuscation of COVID vaccine death by two prominent Oxford experts who are now undeniably going to be complete misinformation, white supremacist conspiracy theorists because they said the thing you're not supposed to say. That's how this works. But they're experts, right? Two prominent Oxford University experts coming out and saying they are lying and covering up disturbingly the high death toll from COVID vaccines. This is how clear this is today. What's interesting, though, is that it's being covered by the corporate media. The reality is that you can very clearly prove, just by correlation, I don't mean prove that it's that's what happened, but you can prove that the correlation is very clear, that deaths almost everywhere increased after vaccination around the world. These are just a couple of screenshots, but I've gone over this myself directly from the data. It's almost impossible to miss. But here's another one. Michael, Michael Schellenberger points out that UK government worked with BBC, Google, and Facebook to secretly censor, as we know by now, Valid criticisms of COVID lockdowns and vaccines for kids. Same conversation. Ministers had chilling secret unit. An entire unit dedicated to, to suppressing, hiding, and removing your dissent against what they knew was dangerous. Now, the question needs to be asked. Why is this coming out now? Right? Why is the Telegraph and the why is everybody now telling us they're because they're trying to desperately walk this back in an interesting way? But without telling you the full picture, as always, this is what it looks like to lose the narrative anyway, right? The, the information war. We are reaching people. They would never do this, in my opinion, as just a conglomerate, not just, you know, there's obviously individual moving parts, but as the corporate media, they would never let this happen if they were controlling the narrative. It would be, you're all healthy and everything's fine, right? The point is that they've so clearly lost control of the narrative that they need to give you something. That's the release valve conversation, the steam valve. Right? We'll let a little, we'll give them something. One fraction of a percent and say, yeah, that's everything. But the point is they're clearly going, yeah, we suppressed you for your best interest though, which is ultimately the point. But the problem is that there's no accountability. What's happening to these people? Are they going to get arrested? Are they going to go to jail? Obviously not. And that's not okay. That's what this is all about to me. Here is McKnight's home care pointing out, and now vaccine mandate, we bid you adieu. Okay, well, what changed exactly, Lisa? June 2nd, 2023. What changed? First of all, why in the world you ever had a vaccine mandate is, is the biggest question that we should be asking and that you should be accountable for or whoever you know made it happen. But this is Centers for Medicare and Medicaid are now saying, well, you don't need to have the mandate. You don't need the injection anymore. 
None of this makes any sense. The only thing that stopped happening was people following their direction. That's it. Up until moments ago, they were screaming, we're all going to die. And now it's like, whoa, 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 we did it. Hooray, we made it through. That's actually what they're arguing now. But it all worked. That's why we're here now. So we can get rid of all of this. That's the most desperate attempt I've ever seen. To just repackage their utter loss and subsequent murdering of a bunch of people as we did it. The Bush's mission accomplished moment for the COVID narrative. Well, here's another example. France's unvaccinated health workers allowed to return. That's great. But doesn't that seem a little bit strange? As I said, and I'll show you this next just because I mentioned it, the same point I made on the YouTube point, this shift by France, it means only one of three things in my opinion. They're either right now admitting that they always knew this was wrong and they're just letting it back quietly or that they only just realized that it was always wrong and are now putting it back or that they're admitting that it was wrong to censor or actually, see, I'm conflating these two points, but wrong to fire them even if it was false. Right. So the point was that they're basically saying, well, these people are danger to all of us in their opinion, but it would have been wrong to fire them because we know that's the case either way. You, the idea that they were ever fired because of a personal medical choice is ridiculous. But the point is they'll claim that none of that is the case. How does that make sense? It's got to be something, right? What happened? Did the science change? You can't just be like, COVID's over. Aren't you still telling us they're not vaccinated with the problem, which could only make it come back? That's what they were saying the whole time. The point is, guys, they're being exposed in real time. And, and now what else are they going to do? Well, they need people. Their hospitals are failing. People are losing money. They, they, well, bring them back. We'll pretend like we've succeeded and it's all over. But that completely contradicts everything they've said the entire time. Yet they just kind of go, hooray. We need to stand up and be like, no, 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 hold on a minute. This needs to be discussed. Who is accountable here? What are you admitting exactly? And how do you know? That's what needs to happen. But nobody, left or right, cares. I mean, I'm using this to point in the United States, but obviously in France, same point. They don't care. This is what I was mentioning before. YouTube just said, well, hey, we'll reverse election misinformation policy. You're, now you're allowed on YouTube to say there was fraud in 2020. As Pasta and I were talking about, he lost his channel with a lot of revenue attached to it because of these discussions. And now all the people that are being allowed to are all reaping the benefits of that, and he's not getting the channel back. So you see how this works. It's about getting rid of the honest people, the ones that are being objective and nuanced and not saying all left or all right. The people that can see the middle ground and realize that it's, it's actually always in the gray area. Those people are the ones they got rid of. Like sort of how I lost and still have lost my PayPal, my Patreon, all my YouTube channels and all, all of this on things that have now been proven to be true. Do you remember the Patreon argument? That was literally about AstraZeneca and I think blood clots or heart attacks. Think about how ridiculous that is today. That's the one they're giving you today, even though Pfizer and Moderna are way more dangerous. They're going, yo, it was those ones. Those are bad. Oh, isn't that what I said all that time back? And you still say, they're still keeping me censored. By the way, they still pretend to try to pay me out every month and go, oh, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's, it's only like 10 bucks left in the account there, but PayPal stole thousands of dollars, never gave it back. Of course not. The point was, it only means one of three things. YouTube is, is either admitting that they knew that they were wrong from the very beginning, that there was obviously fraud and, mis and cheating on both sides for that matter, or 
They've just realized that they were wrong. They finally discovered, oh, we were wrong. Okay, well, we'll correct that. I find that hard to believe. Or they're admitting that they were wrong to censor people, even if this was a false claim, which is one of the most important points. It's called free speech, guys. Of course, you're allowed to go. I think there was cheating there. Think about the reality of a platform going, you're not allowed to say that. Despite the evidence. And even if there wasn't evidence, how is you going? how are you going to tell people they can't go? It's my opinion that there was cheating. I mean, it's just so crazy. It shows you the authoritarian state that we're in. But of course, the point is they'll pretend that it's somehow none of those things. We're just ch- turning it back because, we, well, it has to be one of them. Doesn't matter. This is the problem with where we are. And again, going back to the point about the unvaccinated health workers, they're rolling this back in a very desperate way. Now, what they really, really, really hope that you miss by focusing on just this and saying it's over amnesty and all the dumb things they're pushing in your face is that not only is it very, very, very clear from all the science up till now, but the new science as well is showing us these things are killing people. Now, that's not that's the extreme point to make because they are killing people. But in between all of that or in the you know other things than death are I mean, just about everything under the sun, it seems. But in this case specifically, exactly what we've been telling you, the absolute destruction of your immune system, lymphocytopenia, the dysregulation of the immune system or all sorts of autoimmune problems or immune suppression or all. I mean, it's just out of control. And every single one of these claims is backed up by peer reviewed science. But we're still crazy, apparently. December 2022. Extended SARS-CoV-2 RDB booster vaccination induces humoral and cellular immune tolerance in mice now of course the point is oh we're not it's not it's mice not humans you conspiracy theorist it's the same as them ignorantly saying in the beginning that when they said influenza like illness that didn't apply to covid yes it did and it does now and that's already been proven now that now they're using covid like influence it's the same point now yes it doesn't always exactly translate but the point is that in mice this is a very clear example of how this works and it's the same reason they use mice studies and this here's a good point for all of them already screaming that we're dumb for pointing this study out because mice are not humans, explain for me why then you're okay with a bivalent shot that was only tested on eight mice and you took that. Crickets. That's how that works. Let's run, run away because you're a conspiracy theorist when you prove that they're wrong. But the point, the repetitive application of vaccine boosters, like before I even continue, let's make sure we include this before I forget. The idea that the reality of the bivalent in particular, based on the peer-reviewed science, is that it causes a net harm. I'll include both of those. This is the Substack re- uh, revamp that's got put together, adding a bunch of new information. And this is the actual study showing you booster mandates, which is how some of the people try to dismiss this. It's not talking about vaccines, you stupid per- Well, it literally is when it says that those mandates <laughs> cause a net harm. What do you think? What do you think they're causing? That the lockdown, well, lockdowns are hurting people. But if you actually read it, it's telling you that, yes, it takes one injection or one, uh, rather, I said it backwards, to prevent one hospitalization, just one. They estimate that it takes upwards of 42,000 young, between 18 and 29 year old people to take three injections each. And of course, the point is that they they anticipate 18.5 serious adverse events from the mandates, from the lock, no, from the injections, from the mRNA vaccines. That means 18.5 deaths, potentially, hospitalizations, serious adverse events like permanent disability. That's what those are. So for one hospitalization to be prevented, 18 potential deaths. That's what a net harm looks like. That's the, that is the bivalent shot. Only tested on eight mice. 
but, but we're crazy, right? The point is, repetitive applications of those boosters have been brought up in face of continuous emergence of SARS-CoV-2 variants, if that's, again, this is their narrative, that that's what's been happening, with neutralization escape mutations. But their protective efficacy and potential adverse events remain largely unknown. Isn't that interesting? I mean, this was this was December, right? This was the begin- This was the end of last year. And they're still saying these injections, their protective efficacy and their potential adverse effects remain largely unknown. This is science. This is Elisa View. This is Science Direct, one of the most highly regarded platforms, peer reviewed. And they're quite literally telling you that we have no idea what these things do. We don't know how effective they are. We don't know if there's, we don't, we, there remains largely unknown how effective they are and how dangerous they are. Isn't that ridiculous? And yet the court and CNN Fox News will tell you all, oh, they'll wax all day about how safe and effective these are because that's what they're being told. That's so incredible to me. Multiple vaccine boosters after the conventional vaccination course significantly decreased the RDB-specific antibody titers and serum neutralizing efficacy against both Delta and the Omicron variant, the whole thing it was made for. Think about how dumb that is. Profoundly impaired your CD4 and CD8 T-cells, you know, the reality of your actual immune response. I mean, the whole point is you can make antibodies, but the point is you the CD, the, the memory B, the CD8, CD4, that, that's the point of how your full immune system works. And these things are being impaired, according to this study. And all the rest of them we've shown you, including the one that talks about a net harm. Same discussion. Mechanistically, they said we confirmed that extended vaccination with these boosters overturned the protective immune memories. Now, my opinion, that's from natural immunity. Because I think I've proven from day one that these things don't even, I mean, if they even actually cause some kind of a reaction to something that's really there, the point is it's been shown that immediately your immune system collapses. So the point is, if somebody has some kind of protective immunity, just like the studies we've shown you, that likely comes from things before this. And I'll just grab the one. The idea that this is clearly telling you that a majority of uninfected adults have already shown pre-existing antibody reactivity to SARS-CoV-2. How do you explain that? 2021 and the article argues because of SARS from before or potentially whatever this might have been if you think it's real circulating in the United States before this or the common cold which is also coronavirus which plenty have argued is just another variation of what they are experimenting on the point is that how in the world can uninfected adults have immunity if this is so obviously right but nobody cares about peer-reviewed science when it challenges the narrative so my point is that protective immune memory is being destroyed by the very shots they're giving you to increase your immunity. Oh my God, it's shocking, right? It shouldn't be. I know you guys have all heard this a hundred times. Isn't it just kind of still amazing though that this is the obvious, blatant, in-your-face reality? Well, guess what that reminds me of? You know what's coming. The report, the only one that squeaked out about this reality and then everything got shut down. And your COVID-19 vaccine, you're going to want to listen to this. The Red Cross says anyone who has received their COVID-19 vaccine cannot donate convalescent plasma to help other COVID-19 patients in hospitals. That plasma is made up of antibodies from people who have recovered from the virus, but the vaccine wipes out those antibodies, making the convalescent plasma ineffective in treating other COVID-19 patients. That was mainstream media in the, in the United States. Now, of course, we've proven this to you. We've actually gone over the Red Cross conversation numerous times. We called them. We spoke to them on the phone. We have them on the record claiming that this is the case. We have them on the record pr- claiming that, they, they, I mean, oh, he, this is the point we keep showing as well. 
Here they are in September 13th, still stupidly claiming that they don't label vax versus unvax because it, it doesn't enter the bloodstream. Despite me pointing out that here's a study, the most recent amongst many, that claim that not only just a spike protein, but 28 days later, they still have mRNA vaccine sequences circulating in their bloodstream. So that guarantees spike proteins as well as the materials to continue to make them. I mean, that's crazy. And they have still not changed their stance. So the point is that this is very clear, just like it was going on in the very beginning, which speaks more to the idea of a bioweapon kind of conversation, something that was designed to hurt immune systems. These boosters are overturning what immunity you may already have. That seems like a design. By promoting adaptive immune tolerance, which we'll get into in a minute later in the show about immune tolerance conversation. Don't forget the, the flu, the Pentagon study. That is exactly what it's talking about. Our findings demonstrate potential risks, it says, with the continuous use of SARS-CoV-2 vaccine boosters, providing immediate applications, implications for the global COVID-19 vaccination enhancement strategies. So it's failing. Don't forget Dr. Fauci's Cell.com article says the same damn thing, that this isn't working and we need to reevaluate. But weirdly enough, it's still sprinting forward. Make sense of it for me. It's destroying immune systems. Now, here is another study, Cleveland Clinic, and you can look at this one for yourself. I've got it right here, but you can dive into this. It says the higher number of vaccines previously received, the higher the risk of contracting COVID-19. Oh, my God. It's almost like you tapped into T-Lab from 2020, right? Or 2021. When we were breaking this down in individual reports every single week and going, look at that. If you got the injections, you're at more risk. Fake news. You don't understand science. You can't read. Well, yep, obviously we could. And obviously that's the case. Here is another report from April 2023 from Open Forum Infectious Diseases from Oxford Academic, you know, that classic conspiracy theorist rag. And here it says the estimated vaccine efficacy was 29%. That's the peak right there in this conversation. Or rather, it's respectively 29%, 20%, and 4%. Now, that's 29% during the BA4 or 5 discussion. That is 20% during the XBB dominant phase. That's what they're claiming is happening now. And then 4%. Or actually, wait, how am I misreading that? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so that's 29% for the BA4. I missed the BQ there. 20% for BQ, whatever that is. And then only 4% for where they currently are today, even though they're still telling people to get it right now. Four percent. That's their that's the effectiveness of the thing they're giving you, not even talking about the side effects. The point is the risk of COVID-19 also increases with time, because that's your immune system failing, but also with the number of vaccine doses previously received. Isn't that ridiculous? The more shots you get, they're telling you, well, the more likely you are to get sick. But keep getting them though. Now, you may read this conclusion and ask yourself how that, where, what's the conclusion? This is how they continue to get paid for this stuff while finding terrible things. Most of these will go, and it proves the safety of the injection, which we'll show you one in a second, which actually says that, despite the finding. This is real. The point is that you take more, you get more sick. You take more, it destroys your immune system. So how do you factor in this being an accident? when everything seems to go in the same direction. Here's Kelly Victory MD pointing out the mRNA injections have now been shown, and we've already talked about this twice, in fact, to markedly increase your IgG4 levels, leading to not only the more severe cases of COVID infection following vaccination, but also increases in autoimmune diseases and cancers. I mean, my God. So now we're at a point where it's, I mean, every 
point of science we're pointing every study we're finding and everything's coming out is going these are killing people they're hurting everybody they're causing immune responses they're causing and everything's just shutting down we're oh it's okay we're going to talk about the lockdowns over here we're going to talk about oh we're, we're all back to normal hooray i mean it's 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 just kind of it's incredible so here's the study she, oh, and she says, I predicted this publicly well before the shots were ever released. And that, let's do this really quickly, just so I can give you an exact breakdown of what this exactly is. Now, as I remember, it's about, you know, uh, allergies, right? And as it says, immunoglobulin G4-related diseases, or IgG4-RD, is a chronic immune-mediated... Uh, oh, wait, no, that's about... That's not what I'm looking for. Let's do this. Why is it only coming up with related diseases? Like, I don't... This is what I talk... This is what I mean about how this stuff... Here we go. Like, it should be as obviously simple and... Bl- if I'm searching that, give me exactly that and what that is. How interesting. I went over it in the show, by the way. I think I have it on this other one. Like, it should just be the definition of what IgG4, immunoglobulin, IgG4... That's what that's supposed to be. But here is... The, uh, the study that she's pointing at, IgG4 antibodies induced by repeated vaccination may generate immune tolerance. Now, that's exactly what we're just talking about. That's what that other study is finding. Two, the very thing they're telling you is potentially damaging. Now, what this can do is interesting because it can cause maybe less severe disease, as I understand it, but it causes the thing to continue to populate and spread and go. And that, and that seems like a potential design. Now, we've talked about this with, or uh, we've discussed Igor uh, Chudov's discussion, booster-caused IgG4 immune tolerance explains excess mortality and chronic COVID, where it basically just never goes away. Oh, and that's actually what he argued. That's where it gets even more concerning, is that it stays kind of low-level. It just continues and just never goes away, but that culminates in some kind of catastrophic event, which is exactly what we're seeing, right? Very interesting. You can read this for yourself. I just wanted to kind of go over this to include it. Here was the study we recently talked about. Again, there's so much science around this. IgG4 antibodies induced by mRNA vaccines generate immune tolerance to the spike protein by suppressing the immune system. That's not what you want. 69.7% of the total population received at least one injection. Increasing evidence has shown that they do not produce sterilizing immunity. We know that by now. Allowing people to suffer frequent reinfections. Concerns that mRNA vaccines could induce immune tolerance, which we're now seeing in more studies because it is happening, could complicate the clinical course of COVID infection. Recent investigations have found that high IgG4 levels in people who were administered two or more of the mRNA vaccines. So, yep, that's what's happening. It has been suggested that an increase in IgG4 levels could have a protecting role by preventing immune act overactivation, similar to that occurring during successful allergen-specific immunotherapy, right? So you have an allergy to peanuts, so you get this kind of therapy, and your body then doesn't react to it, right? But it says, altogether, evidence suggests that the reported increase in IgG4 levels detected after repeated vaccination with the mRNA vaccines, not the other ones, is not a protective mechanism. Rather, it may be a part of the immune tolerance mechanism to the spike protein that could promote unopposed SARS-CoV-2 infection and replication, and by that narrative, variants, by suppressing natural antiviral responses. All right, so it's actually suppressing your body's ability to fight this off. IgG4-induced suppression of the immune system due to repeated vaccination can also cause exactly what we're seeing. Autoimmune diseases, cancer, autoimmune myocarditis. Yep. All of it's real, guys, and it's all very clear and easy to prove. Here's another peer-reviewed science from January 2023. 
or peer-reviewed study, excuse me, class switch toward non-inflammatory spike-specific IgG4 antibodies after repeated vaccination. How much can they dismiss? Seemingly everything. Well, I covered this in a previous show. If you want to go in more depth, the COVID injections are dangerous and no one should be taking them. That's the stance anybody on it should be taking at this point. Nobody. It's not, well, some people have some use. That's just a, a, a narrative to back off some of the most aggressive people. Everybody. Kids, autoimmune, immune suppressed, elderly, nobody. These are dangerous for everybody. That's the, that's the science speaking, guys. That's the actual science. Speak. That's the reality. Here's the Epoch Times. I don't know why that's not scrolling on me. That's weird. Well, this you can, I was going to show the title anyway. Most infected in COVID outbreak at CDC conference were vaccinated. According to the CDC themselves, which just continues to be the reality. And that's now backed up by the science. Why? Because they're most susceptible. It's very clear. Now, you could still you could say that's the flu. If you don't believe this or not at all, if you believe that. But the bottom line is that's even what they're saying. So make sense of it. Here is Kevin Bass, PhD, pointing out that both the Moderna and the Pfizer randomized controlled trials showed, which they did, a 60% elevated risk of clotting disorders following COVID-19 vaccination. Now, oh, here, here it is. This was the uh, journal. It's AJ Benza who's saying that he has firsthand knowledge of, of Jamie Foxx. But again, it all rests on him. And I'm not saying I dispute that. I don't know. It's just like with Seymour Hersh. You know, you, get, you have one source and you, just, you, you don't know. You have to be objective about it. But the point is that it seems likely to me. Anyway, back to the point. He's basically he's saying this to kind of back up the idea that it could have happened, been a clot in Jamie's brain. But he's right. Here's the study. August 2022. Serious adverse events of special interest following COVID vaccination in randomized trials. I mean, it's, it's incredible that we can have this stuff so clearly on the surface. The excess risk of serious adverse events found in this study points to the need for a more formal harm-benefit analysis. Now, what they do? Not. They said, safe and effective. Benefits outweigh the risk. We're all going to die. Hurry up. That's what happened. They knew it, man. They knew it. It was right there. And it wasn't because of this. They knew it in the very beginning. How many times we bring up the, the phase three trials were reevaluated? That point is missed on so many people. I don't know why. The, their own data was reevaluated. Let me see if I can bring it up. I think I have it when it comes. Yeah, there you go. It comes up. Always uh, thank you to James, help by James, because always for some reason that pops up every time, and then I can grab the study from this. This is September 2022. Secondary analysis of the serious adverse events reported in their own phase three data from Moderna and Pfizer. And what they find is that the Pfizer specifically had a 36% higher risk of serious adverse events, death, hospitalization, permanent disability, than the non-group, the placebo. That goes for both. Well, Moderna is arguably way lower, but it's still a 6%. It's higher risk. You have an increased risk of death or hospitalization if you take these injections, according to Pfizer and Moderna's own data. And you know why they we didn't know that until this study? Because they lied about it. And the data in the studies prove that. And yet it still marches forward. Make sense of that for me. It's all right on the surface. This is another peer-reviewed study making the clear, making it clear. Now, Steve Kirch points something out from a former doctor. Quote, this is a moral crisis. Other doctors have com commented on this and other posts. I was told by my management 
If I gave my children patients multiple vaccines and followed the CDC childhood vaccine schedule, the thing they claim is totally not mandatory, we just a recommendation. We remember that conversation, right? That I would that person would get ten thousand dollars per child bonus per year. Very tempting. I quit and will never go back. Congress refuses to even discuss this. Well, don't forget, we already saw this directly from the Blue Cross, and this is de- this is real. They, court, they this is about getting a bonus per vaccinated member, and that does apply to children. Now, why the focus on children with their dramatically non-existent risk from whatever this is or is not proven by their own documentation, or the fact that they still tried to hype some. 50 kids have died. And then even then the Newsweek article was like, well, the, oh, it was like 400 or 200 or whatever the number was. And it came out and was like, no, 90% of those aren't actually dead. And they still pushed it. But this person follows up and says, and even pharmacies apparently are in the money game, which, you know, shout out to money game, the song. Walgreens can't even get my scripts correct month to month, but they're recruiting drug trials. Now here, to make this even more clear, is this is this is clearly a focus. Now, consider this with a trans focus. Like, there's something clearly happening here. New CDC HHS funded study uses fear syndrome as a proxy for COVID infection to blame school children for most of the household spread. Think about that. Despite any evidence that they even continue to get sick or had it, this argument of the asymptomatic spread was completely debunked by most peer-reviewed science, showing you that there was non-existent. And of course, even Fauci would tell you before all of this that you don't, these don't spread. Respiratory viruses do not spread without symptoms. That's a statement from Fauci pre-COVID. But of course, this changed everything. No, it didn't. Quote, once U.S. schools reopened in fall 2020, children contributed more to inferred within household transmission when they were in school and less during summer and winter breaks, a pattern consistent for two years. They're blaming the children for why this is happening. This is a last-ditch, desperate attempt, and I don't—I still don't even understand why the focus on kids so aggressively. To get kids vaccinated now or injected with this dangerous stuff when they have zero risk from this based on everything you can see, one in a million according to the Oxford calculator. And they're saying, well, now we're coming right back around. Get them the injections because they're why it's spread. B.S. Just absolutely terrifying that they're doing this. Here's another example. FDA-sponsored study admits that Pfizer COVID shots increased risk of myocarditis in children, or rather just a continuing point to make on top of that, which is the reality. So on top of the lack of risk from whatever you say is there, it caught, they've now admitted in their own study that this increases the risk of myocarditis in children. Here's the study itself. It's the one I was mentioning earlier. This is May 22nd, 2023. Safety of the or, you know, Pfizer's original shot. Well, it says a safety signal was observed only for myocarditis or pericarditis after primary series vaccination in the group 12 to 17 across all three databases. You know what they mean by that? They include theirs. Isn't it funny how they, they point at theirs when they want to make a point, but then otherwise they pay fake news. We don't know for sure. We can't confirm it. You conspiracy theorists, theirs is not even to look at. Oh, well, they're looking at it right there. Why aren't you calling them conspiracy theorists? because you guys are hypocrites. The point is that there is an obvious signal. They're saying we see an increased risk of myocarditis in 12 to 17-year-olds. That's what that means. There's no debating that. And they quite literally, in the conclusion right beneath it, say these results provide additional evidence that COVID vaccines are safe in children. 
Make sense of that for me. It's the illusion that somehow a little increase in myocarditis is okay, right? It's not safe and effective. No, there's no such thing as a mild heart problem. This is crazy. And even Dr. Drew coming around after being part of the air, he's now speaking out in his podcast where he made the same point. That's that's obscene. They know this. That's why Dr. Maholcher points it out as, an, as a cardiologist. This is crazy. This is an increased risk of a heart problem that could potentially be fatal in, in, in most even non-serious cases over the next 20, it's, what, what was it? The, uh, I don't want to try, I'm going to misquote the stat. I can't remember off the top of my head. But we've told you that, we pointed that out at NIH studies numerous times. Even mild issues in this case, or just, you know, non-serious as they call it, like the lower level, which again, there's no such thing as, it's, it's contradictory to say it that way, but the point is that these, these doctors will tell you that all of these heart problems, even if they're the, on the lower scale, to put it that way, are still potentially fatal. And all they, well, they're safe and effective, even though we just said an increased risk of myocarditis. Then it says this study was conducted by the FDA, and then it all makes sense. Insulting. Oh, and then completely unconnected. Completely new story has nothing to do with what we just said. Breaking news. May 19th, the number of UK people with heart rhythm conditions rises by 50%. Yeah, you get it. We're baffled. We're all baffled. It's completely unconnected. I mean, it's just insulting to your intelligence. Now, here's just, uh, I'm not familiar with the website, but this is backed up by the actual links. I looked at it myself, and this this is what we keep showing you. This is why we originally were doing this. Looking at the New Zealand data, New South Wales, looking at the UK data in general, looking at Ontario, and every single time we showed you, it showed you the point that they were more people that were getting sick, not just by majority, which is they kind of, they tried to say that's because everyone's vaccinated. No, it was it was per one hundred thousand. And then when those numbers showed you they were getting sick, they go, "You don't understand science." And they pulled the whole thing because <laughs> that makes sense, right? That's so embarrassing. Well, here's the reality yet again: New Zealand COVID stats weekly update. Case, hospitalizations, and deaths by vaccination status. Take a look at this. Orange, not fully vaccinated. Green, fully vaccinated. Blue, received booster. I mean, my God. What is that? That's what? One, two, that's like four times. Four times the risk of hospitalization cases and death in the booster compared to not in almost every category. Other than the, oh, well, actually, first of all, these are the, for the podcast, these are from, from, uh, most of it is 60 and up. That's so dramatic, but even just zero to 59, compare that to not fully. That's just even one shot. You're almost doubling the risk just by having a booster. Now down here, you can see no dose compared, right? So this is COVID cases, just cases since first case by vaccination doses received. Look at this. Look at this, guys. This is unbelievable. So, of course, the no dose, which, again, I almost guarantee, I guarantee you that does include, to a large degree, people that had a shot but got, a case, got sick within 14 days or 21 days. In New Zealand, I believe it's 21 days. That's a real thing, and I've proved it 100 times over, which means that people that get sick on day 20 still get called no dose or unvaccinated. That's real. But either way, look at the three dose. There's no denying that. There and their their argument is that shouldn't be happening, but they're all getting sick, and they're the ones continuing to make this the case. I mean, a lot more data than you can look at for yourself. It's very very interesting, but I mean, all this really does amount to a very, a very obvious reality that these things are dangerous. That everything about this is that 
it's showing you that these people are being killed. So they're suffering, right? That they are going, they're being given something that I think people know or at some level know, or whether we're talking bioweapon or something else that they know that this is hurting people. Now, the question becomes why? Why are they allowing that? Why are they pushing it when that's the case? I mean, really, it's all, it's all, it's up for you to decide. So it's really hard to know people's minds and what they really, you know, what their objectives are. But we're going to go on to the next conversation about DNA contamination, which is something that I'm going to focus on more coming up. I, I, I would love to actually talk to uh, Kevin McKernan. The not, <laughs> anyway, Kevin, the, the one that's breaking the study down. There's, I always make the joke because there's another person out there that's a very similar name that's a complete jackass. But the, this guy is doing some amazing work. He really is. And I think this is the real study. But this is a clip that I'll play for you. And actually, I'll just let her say it, and then I'll, I'll make some comments on this. It's about DNA contamination. Not We've talked about the altering or you know the liver cell line and the, 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 the um, what's the word that's appropriate? I'm blanking on the term, but you know, the, the altering your DNA. And they push back on that, right? But this is talking about DNA that are, it's within the injection itself. And you may think that sounds crazy, but this is being proven by multiple studies and multiple doctors in multiple locations. Listen to it for yourself. It's Jancy Chun Lindsay. I'm a toxicologist and a molecular biologist with over 30 years of scientific experience, including vaccine development experience. Molecular biology is the study of DNA, RNA, and proteins, and I have a doctorate-level degree in this. I appreciate your allowing me to speak on the urgent issue of the contamination of the COVID mRNA genetic vaccines. Three separate labs across the globe have now found that the mRNA vaccines, both Pfizer and Moderna, are heavily contaminated with the DNA plasmids used to create the shots in large volume. <clears throat> the contamination was found in every vial tested of eight files by genomist Kevin McKernan, both the monovalent shots and the boosters. The contaminating DNA plasmids are designed to infect E. coli in which they are grown in large volumes. They're supposed to be separated away from the shot <clears throat> and the code that's injected into you as their presence introduces DNA that is not allowed in the shots and which increases the risk of genomic integration in anaphylaxis. In Pfizer vaccines, these DNA plasmids are found to be <clears throat> present at up to one third of the shot material. So this is not a slight contamination in the least. These DNA plasmids can infect the E. coli in your gut and make your gut a perpetual spike factory. They also have a human promoter from the SV40 uh, virus. Those of us who are old enough to have received the polio vaccine, you'll remember that some of those vaccines were contaminated with the SV40 uh, virus. This is a cancer-causing promoter that allows these plasmids to also infect our human cells. The promoter also has a localization signal that allows it to go to the nucleus of cells, making it more likely that there will be a genomic integration event from these shots. Just, just so far by hearing this, does, does anyone really think this is all by accident? I mean, really? Like only so many things can accidentally be in exactly the same direction. This most often results in cancers. The there <clears throat> excuse me, cancers of various form. An additional serious issue with the plasmid contamination is that they carry two antibiotic resistant genes, tecanamycin and neomycin. 
These are two major antibiotics that we use in medicine today. Canamycin is used to treat tuberculosis and neomycin is a broad spectrum antifungal that most of us use in triple antibiotic. These are used in hospitals all over the country today and we have many immigrants coming across our border, border that are carrying tuberculosis. The potential consequence of this is that anybody injected with these contaminated shots could become antibiotic resistant to those two major classes of antibiotic of antibiotics. The potential consequence of these plasmids being injected into billions of people carrying these genes is that they can also be shed. As workers in Seattle showed, there were lab workers working with COVID in Seattle that became contaminated with the plasmids that they were working with. The plasmids infected their nasal cavities. They took these plasmids home and shed them to their family members. They were found because the lab workers remained positive for COVID for several months and they couldn't figure out why they kept testing positive for COVID. It was because they were carrying these plasmids in their nasal cavities and they did pass them on to their family members. Well, that's very terrifying, right? The, 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 the additional information around the idea of what Luigi Warren has pointed out that this can shed. And, and that that's very concerning with the Salk Institute saying that this is, you know, can by itself cause disease. And I've made that many times with the, the conversation about the self-spreading vaccine concept. But of course, you have another part of this conversation where people are arguing that this isn't real at all. Right. And this is part of the illusion that we're supposed to fall back into the trap. And that's certainly something we should ask. Very possible. But it's 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 very concerning to see how this is continuing to play out. And that there's multiple doctors that seem to be finding the narrative. They're pointing out that this is a real thing. And so it's hard. It's it's very concerning. But what she's describing, it to me, if accurate, is, is an obvious example of how this is being used this way. Like all the different things we've talked about. And, and we, we talked about this in the previous example she mentioned, right? How this is not new. So I think it's just, I, I genuinely feel like we're being experimented on. This is a very, very serious matter and has been brought up to the FDA and CDC several months ago, but they have not responded in any manner at all. Typically, this type of contamination would get the shots pulled off of the market immediately. The real question is, is this how, the, I mean, if the same kind of scrutiny was applied to any past shots, would we find the same things? So that's a good, I think that's an important question. We have seen an egregious number of deaths and disabilities that Laura discussed and, and some of my colleagues will further discuss. We are up to over 35,000 deaths in the CDC VAERS system. These may be in part due to this contamination. Uh, this could also be an explanation for why the spike proteins and the mRNA have been found so far out from inoculation, what some people are calling long COVID. Aha, right. So there's another important point, right? Another expert telling you that what long COVID is, vaccine side effects. It's just, it's obvious, guys, and all the data backs this up, and it's just people relentless screeching about the idea of what they think the narrative is based on what the CDC told them to think. It's just absurd. The, the very people screaming trust the science, as we've said the whole time, are the ones ignoring all the science. It's embarrassing. This is real. Like, the, the, the conversation, these doctors and what they're researching, you can look at all this stuff. Now, we should question it, too. But the idea that this is another example of how these things are lingering and circulating. And I mean, it goes back to the Red Cross point. The Red Cross is clearly ignoring all this data and it's undeniably at least up for debate. And yet they're just not care. So th this is the same as saying we're going to keep giving these shots until we prove they're dangerous, despite that's already happened. What the, where's the logic in that?
Is that safe? So the Red Cross is going to keep giving these transfusions until we prove that it's in there? Why wouldn't you go, whoa, 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 let's pause until we find out? That would be actually being safe because they don't care about being safe. They don't care about you. That'd be my opinion, but I think it's proven by their actions. And found in tissues of the brain and the testes many months out from inoculation. mRNA is already being proposed to be used in cattle and is used, has been used in swine since 2018 without our knowledge and without our permission. Historically, the genetic vaccines and the gene therapy had never been brought to market because of the severe adverse effects, including multiple cancers and lethal autoimmune reactions. These issues had not been resolved when they rolled out this, this genetic vaccine platform to billions of people. I know as a molecular biologist, they had not been resolved. We are asking for an immediate call, recall of these vaccines due to these significant dangers. The contamination of the shots and the adulteration of the shots, including the degradation of the mRNA, which has also been found, the risk they pose to others through shedding and being passed on through the germline to the next generation as inadvertent gene transfer. We are asking that the entire platform be banned in food, agriculture, and especially for human use until further research can be done. Man, oh man, it's just crazy that that's the conversation from very, very high level people around the world. You know, this is top level conversation. As she said, she's she's a doctor. She has a doctorate in this topic. And these are people from multiple locations around the world that are all finding the same thing. It's not even being discussed. Where's the corporate media? What does it show you? They don't care. They don't. Their job is not to break the stories anymore. If it ever was. This is important. And at the very least needs to be discussed. The same thing, I mean, for again, Fauci's Cell.com article basically said the same thing. This didn't work. But clearly they don't care about that. Here's the actual study. You can read it for yourself. Sequencing of bivalent Moderna and Pfizer mRNA vaccines reveals nanogram to microgram quantities. That's crazy. Of expression vector DSDNAs per dose. Terrifying. Now, last few things to talk about here. Same kind of thing we mentioned. One of them is on long COVID. This one is just a general point. Over 300 COVID-19 papers. Now, just so it's clear, we're not talking about the ones that are challenging the narrative. We're talking about 300 papers that are discussing the dangers of COVID-19, the route, the, the, the fact that it's really there, have been withdrawn for not meeting standards of scientific soundness. Yep. Which, by the way, that also happens in, any, in all sorts of conversations. We've even seen them pull papers that have proven to be true based on editorial standards. What this is is the opposite of that. We're watching, these are, these are things where they go through the information, right? And they point out that these things are not, that they're, they've basically got science put up that is completely invalid. But here's the interesting part. I still argue they shouldn't do that, right? I still argue that, well, the point is that once the peer review process was completely bastardized, then that's when this dynamic became a problem. But again, I guess hypothetically, if the peer review process was not being broken, which then again, these wouldn't make it through if that was the case. It's a hard conversation. But the point is that because once they're out, it's kind of ridiculous for a secondary review. The point is the peer review process is supposed to be that review. So hit before COVID, this never happened. This secondary review process where they went back around, if you if that's even happening at all, they should just stop and reevaluate the peer review process. Not not secondary review. The bottom line is we saw we've seen an overwhelming action throughout all of this, proving that this stuff is broken. 
Claire Craig made the same argument. This, we just, we're at a point where we just can't trust this stuff anymore. But guess what? That's always where we've been. We just have waking up to the reality. We have always, always needed to be in a position where we go, I don't know. Just because it says that in the Lancet doesn't mean I should blindly trust it. Just because the CDC said something doesn't mean I should say, just assume that's the case. We should have always been doing that. Finally, we're seeing this reality, but hopefully we don't lose it. But the point is, that's happening. They're, these things, people are coming up. People are standing up. Here's an interesting point. Long COVID symptoms, which, by the way, pretty much every high-level scientific study is showing you this is not what they're telling you it is. In fact, many I'll show you next, actually, the psychosomatic part, which doesn't mean that we're ignoring the long COVID vaccine side effects being repackaged. That's the, They're both on the same t- conversation. But it says long COVID symptoms. You know, what they've been telling you is pretty much just anything, anywhere, as long as they once had COVID. That's not a joke. Trimmed from more than 200 different symptoms down to 12. That's real. Peer-reviewed study. A team led by Harvard Medical School have narrowed down the list to only 12 symptoms. (laughs) That's just, just so stupid. So... Yeah, they've been giving people diagnoses of long COVID, even though I keep proving to you that they're still debating if it's even real. There's still studies trying to find out where it comes from. Okay. But the funniest part is they just go, well, it's not 200. We're going to shave that down by like 90%. And it's just 12. So then the obvious point is that the vast majority of these long COVID claims are fake. According to this Harvard Medical School study. And a lot of the other peer-reviewed science that continues to say the same, which here's one that says the persistent symptoms and disability that characterize long COVID are associated with factors other than SARS-CoV-2 infection, including psychological factors, psycho, psychosocial factors, which is the same point. That's the newest one. That was from 2023 in March. But the older one that I show a lot as well from 2021, same point or most of the same point suggest that the physical symptoms persisting 10 to 12 months after may be more associated with the belief in having experienced COVID than actually having been infected. When you read the study, the point is most everyone that says they have long COVID had never had diagnosis proving they had it. And anybody that actually had some kind of diagnosis proving they had it didn't have long COVID. You know, that's not to say that we're proving that these diagnoses mean anything. The PCR test is false positives. But the the point is overall that even their peer-reviewed science is saying it's in their head. Now, maybe, and it's a valid point to make, that's entirely just a cover-up that it's a vaccine side effect. But they're both happening at the same time. People are just believing they have this because they continue to be sick, and but and, and some of that could just be psychosomatic. But a lot of it is vaccine side effects. And the, and the reason that will get omitted from these studies is because they refuse to acknowledge that vaccine side effects are happening. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? In a very dangerous and macabre sort of way. But this is just embarrassing. And all they're going to, and the same, even these 12 symptoms though, you read it for yourself. It's just, because right here, just a, you know, after effect, brain fog, fatigue, chest pains, loss of taste and smell. Yeah. That's common after the flu. That's common after a cold. Like we all forgot that magically, right? I've been saying that the entire time. Just embarrassing how people just take this. Now here's an interesting point from Children's Health Defense. Instead of conducting trials to pin down whether it's real, I would argue, or how to prevent long COVID, what the NIH has been doing instead of trying to figure it out, well, they've been spending all their money just watching and tracking and recording long COVID symptoms. (laughs) What does that tell you guys? You're being studied. 
It's not long COVID. It's vaccine side effects. And you're being studied. Because this has a lot more to do than just stopping COVID-19. As we remember from the Lieber-Langer conversation, it's about the delivery system. It's about the lipid nanoparticles. It's about the brain-machine interface. All of this is the same technology stuff we've overlapped. Stemming back to Lieber and Langer and the stuff they've been doing for 20 years. This is clear. So they're studying to find out not just whether these injections are hurting people, but how they can make this work for other future ventures, which is still what's happening. One quick couple side notes before I get into that point exactly. Dr. Simon Goddick points out something I think is really important. It says that, you know, oh, this is a, 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 a poll. How should Canada respond to the Ukraine invasion? Vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Now, you may think that's ridiculous, and maybe it is, but I think it's an interesting point. You're not, you won't be surprised about the breakdown. People on the vaccinated side, and really they said they had received three or more shots versus those who had none. That's an interesting breakdown. Guess what they found? 86% thought tougher sanctions on Russia. 85% it's exactly what you would think. They're all pro this and pro that. Go after Russia. Ukraine's the fighting for freedom. And then the other side, people had no shots at all. You can see it for yourself. The podcast, it's basically nothing. Very few of them are saying, most of them say none of the above. 52% said they shouldn't be doing this at all. They should leave it alone. They're not, they shouldn't be fighting for Ukraine. Now you could argue that's a left-right paradigm thing. But I kind of don't think that's the case. That's what they really want you to think. I showed you this during the inject the COVID-19 illusion, that it wasn't partisan, guys. They were desperate to sell you on that idea, but it was across the board. People were just like, this does not seem right to you. They, they, you know, remember, the, even the Democrat side were moments ago fighting for medical freedom. And now, they're, you know, the point is that it trapped a lot of people, but it exposed the illusion of the two-party paradigm at the same time. So I think this is about people who just see through the lies. It's interesting. And as he points out, brainwashed versus non-brainwashed. I agree. Fox News points out yesterday, most U.S. adults are declining COVID boosters. We just showed you why. As CDC warns of health risks, relatively little protection. Right? That's my point. They're rolling this back. And, like it's, and their, their argument is, oh, it's only because of the new variant. Oh, it's a, no, no. It's the, the studies and the research show you all the way back to the beginning. But this is their release valve. We won. It's okay. It's over. Don't look at it. That's what's happening. But the point is not just Republicans. Everybody is turning this down. Despite moments ago telling you you needed it. We see through it, guys. And again, as Alex Cannon points out, they're still trying to hype another variant. That's still actually happening. They point out this called XBB or, or Gryphon, and there's a chance it could overtake everything else out there. So it's just it's just the XBB variant, the sub-variant of XBB. It's the same thing we're pointing out. And then this was that point about just in general that all the data they siphon off from you during this process, they're just dumping onto people that they can sell it to. And it just shows you that's all one part of what it was always about. And they lied and they said they wouldn't do it. And we're trusting them again. Anybody doing that is ridiculous. Now to finish, oh, this was two I left open. To finish, I want to make an interesting point about the, well, both the old study as well as the new injection coming. Now this is a new article. This is from May 31st. Doctors say this is the most important virus you've never heard of. Well, you've heard of it because we just mentioned it in a recent show. And it's called human metanumavirus. Do you remember where we saw that? Do you remember what we just talked about is causing that, according to your own Pentagon study? The flu shot. The same stuff they're doing now while they're building a new, the new mRNA universal direction that they're hurrying to rush out. But don't forget that even the COVID-19 injection 
in their own study data showed an increased risk of RSV. That's real. We showed you in their own study. And then weird, RSV explodes, or even like the strep B conversation. All of these things have direct connection to the data that we can show you. And they just don't want you to see it. We just talked about this. The new mod RNA, that's what all of these are. None of these are mRNA. They are all N1-methyl pseudouridine modified RNA. That's what it is. And in this case, you could argue that they might modify the RNA differently for the new shot, but it's not natural messenger RNA. But it's saying this is about the ferritin nanoparticle universal flu injection. We just talked about this. Now, here's the study. And this goes back to the original flu shot from the Pentagon, which this is the, this is the show we talked about this in. We were discussing the new version of the ferritin nanoparticle, which you'll be will scare the hell out of you when you watch the show and understand what the ferritin injections are all about. They talked about this in The Guardian about mind control. It's, it's crazy. It's real time, too. It's nuts. It's real level science. But the point is that we discussed the older discussion of the increased risk of coronaviruses from the flu shot that the Department of Defense ran. The Pentagon and they broke, they found out. And this was the same conversation about virus interference. Isn't that strange? The same thing they're approving in the COVID shot. What a coincidence. The point is they examined this in the population. And the question was whether or not the flu shot increased your risk of other things. You know what they found in January 2020? Vaccine-derived va- uh, vaccine derived virus interference was significantly associated with coronavirus and human metanumavirus. So the flu shot they've been pushing the entire time, everyone, and right now, big push, big surge for the flu shot. Well, that is literally associated with a 36% increase in other viruses, one of them being the metanumavirus, even more so with that one, right? But it says, was uh, well, that, that was the crux of the point, actually. There's a bunch of points we could make from this article. But we can show you the actual data. Here, right here it says, recently published studies have described the phenomenon of vaccine-associated virus interference. This is vaccinated individuals may be at an increased risk for other respiratory viruses because they do not receive the nonspecific immunity associated with natural infection. What does that mean? Natural infection is always better. Well, you all used to know that. And this is just like, this is like the THC pill version of the cannabis discussion, right? They always want to reproduce the non-natural version with these disgusting technocrats with their non-human agenda. Corbett actually just had a great interview about the non, the, the post-human agenda. It's very real, guys. That's where the, tr- the technocracy concept comes, in tie, comes into play. And I genuinely think the transgender concept is overlapping with the idea of opening the door to the trans-human movement. It's a real discussion. These technocrats are all about. The point is that this the individual may be increased risk of other viruses. Um, oh, wait, what was I? I lost my point there. It was the, in any case, I'll just continue. The point was that they, oh, that's what it was. The natural, the non, uh, basically saying that you, they want to give you the non-natural version of this stuff, right? Instead of the natural engagement with something with the flu. That is, you know, by no one's perception is something that you're super afraid of. Even though they claim 60,000 people die a year, even though you can prove that 99% of that is pneumonia, same game they played during COVID-19, even the HHS and WHO both called that out. Still happens, though, because we live in a broken society. The crux of the point, the actual numbers, it says examining non-influenza viruses specifically, the odds of both coronavirus, which includes COVID-19, if you think that's real, and human metanumavirus in vaccinated individuals who had the flu shot were significantly higher 
when compared to unvaccinated individuals. And you can see the breakdown of the numbers right here. Coronavirus, 36% higher. Guess what human metanumavirus is? 50%, 51%. You have a 51% increase of human metanumavirus if you t- if this, if, if the very least took this flu shot at this time. The point is, if you read the study, it's not about the new variant they're including or multivariants, the quad valent they put in here. It's about the shot itself and what it's doing and causing that immune interference. Okay. So very weird, isn't it? That suddenly after all this time, they're going, well, we have a rise in the human, human metanumavirus. Well, com- combine the shot that increases your risk by 50% with the fact that everybody else also took something that is destroying their immune systems. And what do you know? It's a magic recipe for an explosion of exactly what these things cause. Magic, isn't it? It's incredible. We must be psychic to see that. No, it's, it's all right in front of you. It's a respiratory virus that causes upper and lower respiratory disease, which how, it, 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 guess what that looks like? Whatever they want to call it. Could be flu one day, could be RSV the next, could be COVID-19. It, that's the point, guys. It's just a grouping of symptoms that apply to the flu. It applies to everything. And they just say what they want, apparently. Set the PCR test just right. It tells you what you want. That's what's happening. I mean, I, that was, I mean, I'm saying that facetiously. Obviously, I understand how the cycle threshold works and the reality for those that haven't watched the show. The point is that that clearly is causing high-level false positives. Dr. Scoglio, PhD, who made a huge study about this, showed you, in his opinion, 95% false positive rate. When set above 40 cycle threshold, which is what they still use to test for COVID. Easy to prove. Now, lastly, on that same point, all of the stuff we just covered, I'm going to do a deeper dive on this coming up soon. Sky Covion. Regulatory approval of this new injection, you know, for the thing they just told us is over, because that makes sense, right? But here's the scariest part, and that's what I'm going to get into in the next couple shows. It's a COVID-19 injection developed by SK Chemicals, and the Institute for Protein Design of the University of Washington has been cleared for marketing by... MHRA. The vaccine has small particles called nanoparticles, which in and of themselves are potentially dangerous. And their own studies show you this cancer causing infertility containing parts of the spike protein. Okay. So the same game. Why would you include something that we've already proven is dangerous? Because either they don't know that that's the case. They're trusting the narrative, or this is just a continuation of the same agenda. They're taking the spike protein that by itself is cytotoxic with dangerous, causing disease, and putting this in the same thing in the same way using nanoparticles to deliver to the body. It's the same thing, except here's the difference. <clears throat> it is a protein-based vaccine that can be stored at the, uh, these temperatures, making it suitable for more regions. SkyCovion was developed using a groundbreaking software tool called Rose TTA Fold, which utilizes deep learning technology to rapidly, and they claim accurately, predict protein structure. So here's the crazy part. This is a guess, right? This is about predicting the next change. Think about how impossible that is. Mathematically speaking, that's like one in a, I mean, I don't even know, a billion? The idea that we're somehow going to know how this will predict, that's ridiculous in my mind. That to me tells you they're engineering this. That's just my opinion. The bottom line is using machine learning to predict the next variant and come out. That That's what vaccine pre-crime. I, I only use pre-crime because that's a term everyone recognizes. And we talk about medical pre-crime. What is this? We're going to we're going to tell you it's coming out next week. Here's the injection. Take it now. 
My God, that's wild. Based on the same platform that was, we just proved is murdering people. That even Fauci said it's not working. Using nanoparticles, using the spike protein, using the same stuff. And then on top of all of it, the platform and no safety testing because, you know, just genetic sequence and pumping up the new thing. But and on top of it, using machine learning to predict the next thing. Do you realize how far out of control this already is and how much further this will make it? Add AI to this, which that's ultimately what we're talking about. And now it's just we don't even need humans involved anymore. Yeah, Exactly. The non-human agenda. Here's where it goes, guys. And it's sprinting in this direction. Please have the wherewithal, have the courage to question whether or not some of this stuff is true. I only say it like that because I know plenty of people watching this are probably going, this is so fake and so conspiracy because that's what you're supposed to think. That's what they want you to think. And I'm talking about just the power structure, not some larger concept. The, the hierarchy enslaving you, the government, they are the, the agenda, the 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 agencies that are involved the captured agencies are clearly pushing this like i don't know how anybody can watch all of this peer-reviewed science and the discussion of it and 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 walk away at the very least and not walk away at the very least questioning whether this stuff is hurting people it really is kind of mind-blowing to me that we're even still talking about this i if this was an honest world people would be in jail these things would be burned no one even we would be going in a completely different direction we would wake up and realize we should have always been going in the natural direction. Let's go all the way back. Let's destroy our technology. Now, you know, whatever the point is, people would be going away from this because it's obviously surreptitious. There's something wrong here. And that's why even the Democrats or anybody else are, are going, well, I don't know. We're not going to take this right now because it's not partisan. It's about the truth and it's about safety. And it's about your children from seemingly every angle. And we're waking up to it. And they see that. And that makes them desperate which is why it's getting worse. And all we have to do, keep fighting. Stay the course. I don't mean violence. I never do. Stay the course. Keep pushing. Keep waking people up and showing them information. But don't stop there. Go out in the streets. Speak your message. Talk to people. Start your own channel. Do your own thing. It's important to continue to grow this. Taking real-world action is very important. But I will continue to do this. We will continue to fight for you on this platform. And we, as we keep telling you, we're going to be making some big moves. We want your support. So please continue to support this platform. As I, I'll, I'm going to continue to show you those things probably toward the beginning of the show and just general, but I'm not today, but just all the different ways. The, you know, our autonomy platform, you can take my own course. You can sign up. It's all in the show notes below. Our sub stack, you can sign up for. You can donate directly on the website or buy me a coffee or subscribe star. Now, right now on Rockfin, I have it on premium. You can watch this plot. You can watch this show free on seven other platforms. But I've turned it on premium, so if you want to support us there, you could support us there. Same way I have a subscribe star on a paywall. It doesn't mean that's blocking anything. My information is never behind a paywall. You can watch it anywhere else. But it's, the point is, if you want to support us that way, sign up to, sign up to, subscribe, uh, sign up to subscribe star. Donate a dollar a month. But we need your support. So we've got big designs on how we're going to make things different, guys. And I hope you support that. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Excuse me. Oh. Gonna need to see your proof of vaccination. Oh, you now we got the new mandate going on. Right. Sorry, I have the um the app. Oh, Moderna, huh? Heard that one knocks you on your ass. I got the Pfizer. Oh, you're a Pfizer guy. I I hear Moderna's better, but not gonna judge. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the new normal. Have a good one. Have a good one. A vaccine passport. Yeah, but I need proof of at least ten booster shots. <laughs> Thank you.
9, 10, 11. Where's the... Okay, AIDS vaccine passport. I'm going to need to see an allergy test. Lyme disease. Chicken pox. H1N1. Rabies tag. H1N2. All right, proof of the herpes vaccine. And what about the herpes booster? I literally got it like 10 minutes ago. Let's see it. All right, hand, foot, and mouth disease. H1N5. Prostate exam. Whooping cough. I'm going to need your Netflix password. HPV. I actually have HPV. I need proof to show solidarity to the HPV community. I'm gonna need to see your Blockbuster card. Tetanus. Negative test for the Black Plague. Tetanus booster? I don't have it. I'll give it to you now. Proof of political party. Proof of diversity. Are you serious? We already have two white guys in there, okay? That's our limit. Okay, uh, I'm Jewish. What do you think this is, 2021? You're gonna have to be way more oppressed than that to get in here. You got like a 23andMe test results? Yes, yes. 50% Ashkenazi Jew. 0.000027 Native American. Why didn't you just tell me that? You got an anti-racist card? All right, now I just got to check your white guilt score. 9.7, wow, not bad, man. Just got to scan you for male toxicity. Okay, quick set of questions. Would you have sex with a trans woman? Yes. Can men have babies? Yes. Do all lives matter? Yeah, no. Quote from Brown City to prove you can hang with gay people. Um, yes, queen. I'm sorry? Yes. Yeah, that's better. How many statues have you toppled this month? Nine. Do you support the police? No. Are all Trump supporters racist? Yes. How many abortions have you paid for? Five. I'm gonna need to see your punch card. All right, four more and your tenth one's free. How many people have you canceled this month? 18, 19, including my grandmother. Racist? No, she still likes Louis C.K. Even worse. Ever been me too? No. Me three? No. Me four? No. Me seven? Um, me sixty nine? Mm. I need proof of a black friend. Okay, how many pronouns are there? 92,627. All right, and finally, I need you to recite the full sexuality acronym. Uh, L-G-B-T-Q-I-A-O-N-M-P-Z backslash question mark, greater than sign, less than sign, squiggly mark, a peace sign, at sign, hammer and sickle, poop emoji, and symbol for titanium. All right, just put your mask on and show them your receipt. You know, I actually lost the receipt, so... How are we supposed to give you your laundry if you don't have the receipt? 